and welcome back to Power Pick Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Lady Chi. I'm Meg. And I'm Jen's mom. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. In this episode, we feature typically Pufuanian on-topic discussion. We would never ever say Snape scathed. We would say Snape said scathingly. Not only entertaining, but educational as well. <laughs> I love really? Snape. <laughs> I love him oh. and he's good and we're going to find out he's good and... and there Jen. is gold at the end of the rainbow, darn it! There's no way we have wank. We don't care enough about the fandom to have wank. I think I I forgot to put my car in park. Boys I and girls, there's a thing called erectile dysfunction. Oh my god! Yeah, but there's also a thing called vitrificus totalis. So the mouse is shivering today. in the toilet, and Ryan's like, "Well, I have to kill it." And I was like, "You can't kill it now. It has a will to live." There, there's like auditoriums with movies that you can go in and sit and watch. Not while on the toilet. I don't know what that noise was that came out of Gambin's mouth, but like, I think it caused some women in the audience to become infertile. I'm feeling pretty groovy. I can touch my toes to the faucet. I can turn on the sink with my feet. It's like the Manhattan Project. Don't take offense to this, guys, but you guys are the most dysfunctional people. <laughs> no, they're not! <laughs> and now, uh, Weekly. time you're feeling jealous of me cause I'm so famous and awesome at Quidditch just remember that time that we took you to Slughorn's office and you nearly drank yourself to death but I saved your And welcome back to Power Fig Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Chi. This is Meg. I- I'm Cody. Cody is the peon, and we can hear Meg this week. Oh my god, Meg and I almost got like a divorce last week <laughs> because of Meg's damn, Meg's entire the entire podcast. Meg sounded like this the entire, and I'm talking <laughs> over her, and she's like, Ryan doesn't value my opinions anymore, <laughs> and it's like I'm like, what? And she had no, she thought she sounded oh, it was this terrible thing, but Meg. I actually just saw something. It was a big deal. Well, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I just got something in my head. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Welcome back to Parfait Weekly. This is Ryan, and, and you're Jen. I'm Jenna Burhall. You're Jenna Burhall, and that's Chi over there. All the hosts are here. I know. Yay! Wow, this Yay! is like first Cody, get the hell out of the way. Group hug. No, just kidding. I really don't. Cody the ground. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. Let's stop and welcome Cody to the podcast. Cody has been a big name fan on the Potterfic Weekly forum <laughs> since I think we had the Potterfic Weekly forums. Cody- I, I came in on like August ish. I think. Ish, ish. I love that. It's like I August. Used to be the <laughs> Jen's. 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 Yeah. She was in the. Be- well, in the beginning, we had the Lady Kai years, and then we had the Lady Chi years. Yeah. Wait, Lady Kai. Lady Kai. The same way. Oh yeah. I said T. I was smart. No, you didn't. You said Kai. I have it in the finale episode. I have DNA evidence. Yeah, the one that, like, crashes every computer from here to, like, Australia. Yes. Just so everyone knows this, um, usually 
as I've said before, Parfic Weekly is a very well-oiled machine. Usually what we do is we record <laughs> Parfic Weekly on a Thursday. It's edited by the following Wednesday. It's released the next day on Thursday after seven days. And as it's released, we're like, yay, look at it. Look at it go. Everyone's crap. We go and we record the next one because we are we are like Honda. We are the Honda of the podcast world. We <laughs> ran into a little bit of we're a like problem. The Hummer. We are the Hummer. We, we, we have like, well, we, no, we can't be a Hummer. Hummer is way... Well, we're huge. I'm trying no. to be huge. What's the car that they sell? It's like the size of like a bathtub and it's like, <laughs> yeah, like only people with scoliosis can like shove themselves in it. No, not the police. They're selling it in like India now and it's like sold in India or something. I don't, I don't know. know. My mom went to France and there were these like tiny cars. They were really, really small. Yes. I don't know. Yes. One of those. Like that is the perfect weekly mobile. I even got it three times, people. It's a smart car. Oh my god, we can't hear Meg again. Meg! <laughs> this is the first time we've heard you. And I'm- <laughs> Welcome to Barbic Weekly, everyone. This is Meg. Oh god. Chi, when you talk, because it didn't sound loud to me. Yeah, Chi talk. There once was a man from Nantech. Oh, okay. Yeah, Chi, you sound okay. At some points, uh, you are sounding like a little bit softer than normal. Just like at some points you're fine, some points you seem to like drown in the valley of the thing. Oh, I'm sorry. In Nantucket, I'll protect the valley I'll, of the I'll, thing. The the valley, the valley, of the, not the vowel, the valley, the valley of the thing, not the vowel of the thing. <laughs> valley of the thing makes sense. Vowel of the thing, you just sound like you're on, you know, like muggle cast or something. I'm not really sure. What's oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry. Okay. I'll try. I'll try not to be Emerson tonight. I'll the, well, that would be good. That would be good. That'd be good. Eyes though. Emerson. Oh, well, yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I love how I just declared. Love the, I, I must love Wank. I just like declared war on Muggle Castle like no reason. Like, threw well, they hardly house. exist anymore, do they? Like, I, not that I've listened in eight I, years. I, our um, our three hundred regular re- listeners are going to be, you know, up in arms against their ten thousand downloads. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. Our three hundred can kick their ten. 10- <laughs> because it's like, our, like our, no, right. no, like our three hundred would probably listen to like more mass hours of yes. podcast. Well, that's the thing. More than three hundred, though, don't we? We well, no, we have. What do we have? We have in our day. We had. I think we have some that have hit a thousand downloads. Yay! And then we went explicit. And then we kind of drop down a little bit. But, you know, here's the thing. This is what I've always said about Parfic Weekly. We are small in number, but those of us who are here live here. And we yeah. have sticks, and we defend... We're like the people that, like, you step on their lawn and they shoot your leg off. Like, that's kind of like a... That's not really a good image to project if you want people to, like, you know, join the forum. Please visit the Power Pick Weekly forum. Yeah, we'll shoot you. I mean... Scion Witch, our new head girl, will come to greet you and hug you. Everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. So anyway... Scion, by the way. Scion, yeah, which from, the, from Gryffindor House has been named the new head girl of the Parfait Weekly. She, for him, she's like the coolest person. It's like someone mentioned they would like a piece of fan art, so she like ran out and learned how to make fan art. It, it's just amazing. Yeah. I'm so happy. It's, it's just so like fun. the same fic I do, which is very nice. This is true. This is absolutely <laughs> true. So anyway, we had a little problem with the well-oiled machine of Parfait Weekly. It's called the season finale episode. <laughs> I edited the first 12 hours, and then my computer exploded. Then I started over again. Then I went on vacation. Then I came back, and I had to file my tax return. So, so the, Keza, like, is the only other person who can understand, like, the anger I have towards, like, you know, the episode that shall not be named. I try and edit the thing, and I lose the whole file. So I say, I redo half of it, send it to her. She fixes it and loses her file. Oh, my God. <laughs> <sighs> 
been affectionately referring to it as the podcast of doom. It really is. It's like, <laughs> and it's so good, but it's so annoying at the same time. It's like my kid. That's the only way I can possibly explain. Well, it's like she sent me an IM. She goes, you are not made of stone. And I have just listened to you say that. 638 times. I get it now. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing you don't realize. When you listen to the podcast, oh, it's so funny. I love these people. We listen to it 27 times before we put the thing out. We hate it. By that point. It's like Barney. Oh, my God. That's, no, I had a, I had to babysit my... Don't even go there. Actually. I had to babysit my cousin <laughs> once, and he brought... like For two weeks, he's like two years old. He brings one episode of Barney with him, and he wants oh my to watch gosh. me 47 times. I almost killed Let's the Let's chase Ryan up. Tree. All right, this is Lady G's final episode on Perfect Weekly, everyone. <laughs> oh, look, we lost she. Damn. Damn. Remember when I was, like, eight and my cousin t- taught me a song where it was, like, let's see if Barney's flammable or something. He is. Oh, I know, I know all the alternate words to the Barney song, but will that make you feel yeah. better? It'll make me feel better if you give them to yourself. Oh, hi. love me. Uh, who the hell is that? The other one, not she, the other one. Jeff. <laughs> so if if this is coming out, you know, sometime during Barack Obama's first term. This is coming out before the season finale. Yes, if this is coming out before the season finale of season two, well, actually it would be. But you know what? It's not our fault. All right. Like, we this, this is like a time capsule episode. You know, Jen's children will listen to this on the release date going, hmm, Jen. Hi, Ryan. I met you. This is the first time that we've spoken since I left New York. Is it? Is it? Is this weird for you? I don't know. No. Okay. Well, it doesn't feel any different. I guess. Uh, Does it to you? N- no, Jen. I think I think our marriage will be just fine. You have to understand when Ryan and I met. It wasn't like I don't know. It wasn't like one of those moments where like time stops and like we ran through the daisies towards each other. <laughs> Like, I was staring at the ceiling. No, you, you have to understand this. I got off my train with my friend Karen. I got off my, Karen and I get off the train, and we're walking. Now, if you haven't been to Grand Central Terminal, picture, like, the Great Hall with, like, it's doors cute. along the side. So you walk into this big open space, and I'm on my phone, and I can barely hear Danielle, and she's like, we're out in the, in, in, in the main we're in the middle. concourse area. So I'm walking around, looking for, you know, like, everyone's wearing dark black coats, and I'm looking around, and I see someone wearing this bright red coat staring up at the ceiling, like, waiting for it to collapse. It had constellations all over the ceiling. It's awesome. So I just walked over. I'm like, hey, Jen. She's like, hey, Ryan. And then we just kind of went on with our weekend. It was like, it's like I know her. It was so not like meeting someone. It was the weirdest thing. Oh, please. If you ran through the daisies, you would have tripped over something, and I would have had to go pick you up. I should have tried to reenact that, though. Maybe next time. Yeah. Nice firm handshake. It was wonderful. But, (laughs) Jen, do you have the video of my return to Danielle's apartment by any chance? I do. But you know what? This is so typical. Yeah. Like, remember how I kept saying the audio is not working? I couldn't figure it out. Uh Evidently, like, the camera is defective. And so I have to send it. Yeah, like Aww. I have the audio, I mean, I have the video of it, but it's completely audio-less. Well, the audio is humiliating, so I'm okay with that. Okay, well then I'll I'll send you what I've got, but it, I was so disappointed. Guys, I have an entire <laughs> video montage of Jen's visiting. I have Jen meeting her first snow mount. Snow mount. Jen, Jen kicked it and literally broke her foot. It's the funniest <laughs> thing you've ever seen. 
I have Jen, Jen and I in the shoe department of the biggest um of the, <laughs> the biggest shoe store in the- it's the biggest shoe store in the world and we're trapped in the shoe department looking for Danielle and Karen and like literally might we did like an impromptu welcome back to Perfect Weekly everyone and like Jen's trying on oh shoes God. and I'm like slabbing her hand together right in part. <laughs> It's hilarious. It's, it's going to be really good. So He's like, like, this thing is like, I'm not joking. It's like floors of shoes. Well, no, it's like you have to go into the sub-sub basement. To get, no, you no, you go to the second floor, and then you, like, go down, like, a ladder, like, into the back cave, and then you have to, like, climb back up again, like, and it's, like, shoes everywhere, and it looks like they built it, like, in the back of someone's barn. It's this ridiculous thing in the middle ridiculous. of Manhattan. Ridiculous. So, so we did an impromptu podcast from it, so it's all good. Oh, yeah, we did some good videos. I hope y'all laugh. Well, I'll put them I out with this episode. Oh, I'm putting God. up of pictures of Ryan, like, he's wearing this hilarious hat. I have so many. I was trying to look scary. I was trying to recreate the look I had with the Gambin uh, fez on, but I couldn't do it. So, so Jen, w- without you know, without you know, giving too much away from the videos that we have for everybody. Okay. Anything special happened on our weekend? Anything you'd like to share with our listeners? Without giving away, Ryan dragged me through Times Square, dragged and that was her. the coolest yeah. and scariest thing I've ever been in my. It was awesome. Well, here's one thing that we learned. I can say this. One thing we <laughs> learned. Now, Chi, let me ask you a question. For an average walking day, what's, like, normal distance-wise? Like, if you have a really heavy walking day. Oh, like if I'm going to class. Yes. A couple of miles. Like, well, everything in Kansas is, like, like, I we walk long distances. Yeah, you walk around. So, you walk, yeah, you have to go. Yeah, yeah, okay. Meg. Whatever. <laughs> Meg, for you, like, a good a, a good walk. Like, what's a good walk for you, Meg, from Wisconsin? To the bathroom and back. Okay. <laughs> Cody. <laughs> Cody. <laughs> Well, I sometimes walk like a mile to go to work if See? there's no car. If my good, parents good. are like in, I don't know. Good. Now, one thing we learned is Texas is all on one floor. So Jen didn't know what <laughs> stairs were. That was new. <laughs> and apparently, oh my god. <laughs> She, oh my god. And she apparently drives everywhere, so she's never walked longer than 20 feet without a rest. 20 so Danielle and I decided, let's take her on a walking tour of New York City. I thought she was going to die. So did I. You have no idea. Now, here's the thing. For those this of you... This is a Midwest thing, though. Yes. Like, we drive everywhere. Like, I drive to campus, I park my car, and I walk around, and mm-hmm. then I drive back yeah. to my apartment. It's not like I walk to campus and I walk back. Well, like, there I would is if a, I least, like... 40 flights of stairs to get down to the subway and up again. You like, liar. You lying little Texan. <laughs> and you have to go up and down all of that stuff like 800 times a day. Jen, it was Thank an God underground was subway system. How did you think you were going to get down there? I don't know. I just thought, I didn't think it was underground. Remember? Well, you also thought the confetti fell in Times Square all the time <laughs> and they recycled it. it. I was disappointed that there was no confetti. Okay. Some people you can't please. So, so for those of you who live in New York City, we decided to walk from 8th Avenue on 34th Street down to 5th Avenue. Now, it's a 10-minute walk. Danielle and I, by the end of it, literally had to, like, fireman lift Jen and Karen down the stairs. And then we had to make one more quick stop. We had to stop at the kitchen store. So we took the subway to the kitchen store. Now, Jen, to this day, has no memory... 
Jen has no. Me- Jen thinks we walked twenty five blocks. She has no memory of the subway ride. We went to the kitchen store. We literally walked in and bought. What did we buy? Like a bag and a dish or something. Yeah, and, like, okay. like you go outside and Jen and Karen are like sleeping on the sidewalk. There was no in that store, and so Karen and I, I y'all have to understand. Like Ryan and Danielle are like hopping and like skipping and running everywhere. Karen and I are like trudging. You know, like, flat foot stomping. We're so tired. So we get to the store, and, like, Ryan and Danielle are like, oh, look at this. It's a spoon, and it's a plate, and blah, blah, blah. And, like, I go around the store, and, like, there's no chairs. So I go outside, and, like, you know what? I'm just going to sit on this step out here. <laughs> so every chance I got, I was like, ooh, chair. So then after that, so then we, we take the subway back to Brooklyn, where Danielle lives. And here's the thing. I really want Chinese food, and Danielle really wants pizza. And it's like it's literally like a like it's like a half a mile walk down the road. So we decide now. Now on the subway, Jen is starting to do that thing. You know, like when Dumbledore, you know, is about to die, he like slowly starts sliding down the wall. Jen is doing that in the subway. So Jen is slowly sliding down her seat. And I look over. Can I clarify first? Yes, please. This is at the very like end of the week. And I have like run like eight hundred thousand miles, this like from eight to five, walking, 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 everywhere. And so by the end of the week, like with no rest day in between, yeah, I so, was starting to like drag. So Jen starts dragging, and she has this look on her face like Peter Griffin for some reason. I don't know what it is. So Jen, so Jen's oh my start- God, I now. So Jen's starting to lose consciousness. I'm like, Jen, you're all right. She's like, I need to take my medication. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, Jen, what time are you supposed to take your medicine? Two hours ago. I have to take it with food. Oh, do you mind walking with us while we get Chinese? So we get off the subway. Danielle's holding her up by one side. I'm holding her up by the other. We, like, carry her half a mile down the road. I go in and order my food, and Jen, like, falls in the chair by the door. So I'm like, all right, tell you what, Jen, I'm going to wait for my Chinese. Now, Jen's starting to, like, look at me like she's drunk at this point. I'm like, Jen. I'm going to sit here and wait for my Chinese. Danielle's going to take you next door to the pizza place while she eats, and she's going to force feed you food so you can take your pill. And Jen's like, okay. And she sits there and stares blankly ahead at the fish tank. I'm like, Jen, you're supposed to go with Danielle. Oh, okay. Now, now, would you like me to wait here? So we have to carry Jen next door and, like, force feed her pizza until she starts to come back to it was It was bad. Yeah. It was bad. In all fairness, though, like, when we did D.C., and I've done D.C. twice, but, like, when you do D.C. and you don't utilize the subway system and you, like, walk everywhere in creation, yeah, I got that. utilize the subway system. (laughs) No, no, literally, the next day... What happened was we we went to a store Jen wanted to go to. Jen wanted to go to a photo store. And we got to the photo store and it was closed. So we walked So we walked to the subway and we took the subway to the dish store and Danielle bought something. Now, the next day, Danielle's at work. We went back to the photo store and, and we walked around the photo store. We did our photo store stuff. And then after that, I'm like, mm, you know what? There was something Danielle really liked at the, at the dish store and I want to buy it for her as a present. I'm like, do you guys mind going back with me at the dish store? And Karen and Jen are like, no, of course not. So we go the exact same no, way. No, it was different. And they're, and they're saying, uh, you, you, 
you want to take us on that, like, you know, hell journey to the dish store? It's like, we almost died. And we get there in, like, 15 minutes. You're like, no, no, no. This is not how we went last night. Because obviously we wouldn't have bitched that much. About well, we're totally, we we're totally, like, arguing with Ryan. Like, it's not just, like, no, no, we're not joking. Like, we, neither Karen nor I had any recollection of jumping on the subway. I've got, like, it's the security so- camera footage they still won't believe. So Ryan starts to, like, doubt himself. And he's like, nuh-uh. What? <laughs> and like we're like, no, we did not get on the subway. And he's like, yeah, we did. And we're like, no. <laughs> but he was right, apparently. Yes, this is true. I found DNA evidence, and it's like, still like fine, whatever. You know, that never happened. Yeah, but you know, if it makes you feel better, that's fine. So, had a very nice week with Jen. Had a very nice week with you know Karen. My friend. It, it was just a really fun time, and we're hoping to do it again soon. And it, I met Jen, and and you know what? In person, she's exactly what you would expect. <laughs> think so really yeah you're exactly what i thought you would be in more oh you too that's, that's so nice well, i told danielle is- like i stayed with danielle two days before i saw ryan so you have to understand that like i was totally girl talking about ryan for two days before i met him which made me feel a lot more comfortable because i knew a lot more of his dirt <laughs> and i got so you should have seen me like half an hour before i met ryan it was like I like I just was like and Daniel was like are you seriously nervous and I was like no yes I don't know <laughs> and then I met him and it was just like oh hey it's you Mike flew in to, to be my tour guide he did and he was such a sweet guy you guys Mike's really awesome sweet. well we have a photo which is I'll put up on the uh, I'll put up on perfectweekly.com we actually took a photo where we were all apparently standing in order of height and it's like little Jen in the corner, then Karen above her, then Danielle, then me, and then Mike, who is 17 feet tall, standing next to me. So it's a, it's a great one. He's really tall. He's 6'6". Six, six. And you know the first thing that Mike said to me? He goes, I thought you were like six feet. And I was like, here I am at 5'2 or something. He was like, you're a lot shorter than I thought you'd be. And I was like, oh. But, Mike's come into Kansas. I've worn him down. He has, he has relatives out here. You're having it's, our Midwest summit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I guess his stepdad's family is from Newman, Kansas. Woohoo. Which is in like the middle of nowhere, right? Um, it's, it's north and west <coughs> of Wichita. If you watch have... somebody come like come on and be like but yeah, it, it's between Wichita and Manhattan. Oh. Probably like a good hour and <sighs> fifteen. Wait, there's a place in Kansas called Manhattan? Manhattan is yeah, that's so where I live. Or that, that, le- that led to confusion when I first met she. She's like, I'm in Manhattan. I'm like, I'm in Manhattan. Let's meet. And she's like 4,000 miles away from me. Jen, I have a question. Did you just ask if Manhattan was near Roswell? <laughs> I thought she said New Mexico. And I was like, wait. Kansas. What? She lives <laughs> in Kansas. <laughs> I know. I was yeah, like, give not you her address thing. now. <laughs> Ryan won't embarrass me here. <laughs> you can hear her giggling like nervously, like maybe Ryan didn't hear it. Ryan hears everything. Cody. I will send you. I will send you the link to the Little Apple's homepage, so you can see what the difference is between your Manhattan and my Manhattan. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Speaking of I live in like a suburb of the middle of Pennsylvania, but I just didn't understand. Didn't get. Didn't get the oh, yeah. Manhattan in Kansas. Speaking of the Big Apple, Jen tells me before she goes, she's so excited to 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 visit the Big Apple. I'm like Jen, people don't really call it the Big Apple. I'm like, yes, they do. It's like kind of like a visitor thing. No one who lives there called, like, the thing Jen thought was everyone wears their, like, hard hats, you know, for when the terrorists hit, you know, walking around <laughs> all day. And she thought that people refer to it as the Big Apple, neither of which are true. So I finally instill in Jen the fact that people do not call it the Big Apple. So we're in a Christmas store for, for yeah, some Christmas godforsaken reason. And tell them what happened. 
Well, I met this woman and actually I was looking at the ornaments and I saw that there were these pretty, pretty like sparkly apples mixed in with the New York stuff. And like for a minute, it didn't dawn on me, the big apple. I was sort of like, what's this fruit here for? <laughs> like who would want to put apples on their tree? Like that's sort of strange. And this woman comes up behind me and she goes, well, you know, the big apple. So I turn around and I'm like, yay, you've just made my entire trip. You just called New York City the Big Apple. And I, t- I actually thanked her. Like, Ryan is, like, sitting back looking completely be- bemused behind me. But she is, like, she. so I was like, you've just made my entire trip. Um, I wanted to meet a New Yorker who would call it the Big Apple. And she was like, well, you know, really, <laughs> I'm from Texas. <laughs> and I was like, no way, me too. And she was like, where are you from? And, um, or I was like, where are you from? And she was like, Arlington. And I was like, oh my God, seriously, that's like 20 miles away from where you live. And oh my like, God, that's, that's like six places and stuff. And yeah, the, the one person who I met in New York who called it the Big Apple was actually from my hometown. <laughs> well, Jen, you went to New York with the hope of seeing snow. What happened while you were in New York? Oh, this pisses me off. Okay, I'm in New York. <laughs> And James is like, guess what? And I'm like, what? He's like, it snowed today. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> In freaking Texas. <laughs> hey, Jen. Like, did, <laughs> Jen, this is the funniest Jen story because it's like me telling Jen what to say because I was actually there during the story. Jen, what did you teach you to say? <laughs> what did you take me to see? What did we teach you to say? <clears throat> okay, you ready, guys? I practiced this. Right. <clears throat> my name is Jen. As opposed to? Hi, my Hi. name is Jen, and I'm from Borough Hall. Borough Hall. <laughs> like, it took us, like, four, or, like, for the first four days, we're all sitting there staring at Jen going, I don't know what she's saying. Say it again. <laughs> I'm from Borough Hall. Like, uh, uh, uh. Karen really caught on to that and really thought that was hilarious. She really did. I was like, I just think it's funny that you guys think her accent is so thick, because it's just, like, talking to Jen is, like, coming home for me. I'm like, she's my people. <laughs> Thanks, she. Me, too. Well, we had a whole day where all four of us just sat down and sort of stared at each other, which I told Meg was going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. And we all were, like, comparing our accents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the funniest conversation. Well, Danielle cried when she realized she lost her Boston accent. And we're still looking at Jen going, you know what she's saying? Nope. Okay, we'll talk to her later. And it, 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 was, it was a very amusing week, and we're going to put all the video and all the pictures and everything up at, at Parfait. Jen took my wedding pictures. We'll put some of those up, too. Jen took... Um, <laughs> Jen brought what? her Jen brought her work it work it camera, so it's like you're sitting there and like in the time it takes me to say work it work it, she's taken 148 photos of me. So we have so she took my wedding pictures, and of course Jen blinds me as I'm taking it. So I look like the blind man, like crying, like looking around at all the spots trying to find the camera. So I, I Danielle looks wonderful, and I look mentally handicapped. But all of my wedding that photos will not true. They look very sweet, and I'm editing a few of them to, before I put them up. All right. We will do that. Are Jen, yeah. but I guess Wait, are you talking like engagement pictures? Engage, yeah. I'm sorry. We she can take my wedding photos as I'm not yet married. But like the forum is going to have like a field day. What? So we will have that. We will have all those photos up on the forum. So yes, and including the ones where I look like a stark raving map. And Jen is hilarious. Okay, for those of you who don't know Jen, you know who think that maybe Jen doesn't have a sense of humor. Jen says, okay, she, she like, she like positions you. She tells you exactly where to stand and she moves your hands around and she like makes you kiss in front of thousands of people. Jen does everything. Jen tells Dan, now think about this for a minute. Or if you're in the room with another person, practice on them, okay? 
She tells Danielle and I, now Danielle is what, five foot two and I'm like five foot ten. She tells us to stand back to back. Like, okay. <laughs> so stand back to back. Now she says, now hold each other's hands, but like turn your 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 hands around so as you're standing straight, your palms are facing forward. And, and Wait, inter- all right, so stand back to back. And each of you stand so your palms are facing outward from yourselves. Your palms are facing away from you. It wasn't as confusing. And she says, lock hands. And I'm like, all right. And then she says, now look into each other's eyes. (laughs) I almost dislocated my shoulder. (laughs) And then she's like, work it, work it, work it. So we have 17 photos of me, like, trying to, like, wrestle Danielle from behind. And the other thing is, Danielle... like, for those of you who don't know the promenade in Brooklyn, it is over Highway 278. I'm it's standing over, port. I'm standing over a freaking highway. <laughs> Jen has a scarf over her entire face with the holes cut out for the eyes. I thought she, my face was going to break off. And she's got the camera, the big ass camera blocking her entire face. This thing is like, the, this thing is like, you know, the freaking Hubble telescope. And she's telling me, okay, now in a very low voice, okay, Ryan, now smile. Okay, right. Now it looks serious. And I'm looking at her like, what? what? So Danielle looks beautiful, and I look just confused. I'm smiling when I should be serious, and I'm trying to, like, see Danielle. And every time I turn around, I flip her over. It's, oh, it's awful. So all of those photos will go up on quickly <laughs> done. It's exaggerating. They are a very cute couple, but, and they're some really cute ones. They, we actually do have some very cute ones. <laughs> Jen, do you know what we didn't do the entire I time did. you were there? What did we not do? We did everything. You and I never took a picture together. Did but, we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did in nope. front of the bridge when we went to the pier. Just you and I. There's no picture with just you and I. Are you serious? We never took a picture together. Are we that stupid? Photos of Jen and Ryan? We have photos of me and Jen in the same... Like, we're not played by the same actor. Like, we have pictures of us, you know, but I don't have any of just the two of us. Wait, I thought that we did by the arbor, on the arbor thingy. The the arbor? (laughs) That's what I call it. Y'all just say it wrong. You mean the harbor? No, it's it's an arbor on the harbor. Can you say that again, please? Okay, harbor, it's another word for pier. Uh And an arbor is like a a mall or like a... A building with stores in it on top of the pier. So you're saying that you and I took a picture together on the Harbor Arbor. No, the Arbor <laughs> on the Harbor. <laughs> what is the difference between the Arbor on the Harbor and the Harbor Arbor? Because my way is not oh, as confusing. The Arbor the on the Harbor. Because you're all about doing things in the non-confusing way. brought to you by Dr. Seuss. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Potter Weekly Arbor Harbor. <laughs> I love naming episodes before we even start discussing the pick for the week. All right. If you find a picture of just the two of us, send it to me, but I don't believe that picture exists. No, we'll do, we'll edit Mike out. We'll edit Mike out and put like, you know, like, like a, like a pole or like a, like, or like, like a, like a tree, like a, like a, like, or like a, like a bench swing or something behind us. And that could be where you Mike know, I have to say though, I got the funniest pictures of Ryan because every time I took a picture of Ryan, he's like grabbing the, like towards the camera or like, oh, we is like leaning on the subway. You're right. I'm looking. We don't have a picture together. <laughs> yeah. Cause why would we have thought to do that? But this is, this is the thing with Jen. Jen isn't for posed pictures. Jen is like, you come out of the bathroom in the morning, you're scratching yourself, and she jumps out of the closet, takes a picture, and runs. Jen is all for real life. I have pictures of Jen where I swear to God she was in the bush. She was hiding behind you. Like, I have all of these random pictures. and like, um, We'll put the pictures up. You guys are going to enjoy it. So that's all I got. Chi, has your toilet exploded in the past week? Um, yes, actually. We did have an issue with my toilet last night. I was going to tell you about this. 
Uh, Are you serious? I'm serious. <laughs> I, um, yesterday I was 20 years old, so happy. I, oh, hold on, stop, stop, Jen. Yep. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. You, you belong birthday in Happy birthday. Okay, stop. Everybody stop. Stop, 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 stop. Okay, you continue your toilet. Okay, anyway. Jen, shut up. All right, go ahead. I have to say, I did get, I got, um, I got a couple of voicemails. Um, um, Itai called me. And because you don't know Itai, it was the funniest happy birthday message I've ever gotten because he has CP, so he has no control over his vocal cords, so singing on key is, like, not even an option. And he's also from Israel and Germany, so he has the best accent in the whole world, and he sang me happy birthday. (laughs) And when he got to the part where he's like, you know, happy birthday, dear, and, like, most of the other Potterfic Weekly people that called me said, (laughs) chee, he said... Literary genius who also da 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 and so I called my parents and I was like, I'm kind of having like a crappy week and today is my birthday. And, and well, my sister called our parents. We're like, meet us in Topeka and let's all go out to dinner. So we did. And, um, my brother came. So it was my brother and his girlfriend who goes to school in Lawrence and, um, myself and my sister and, um, our, my roommate for next year. Well, we kind of like, we had noticed that our bathroom floor had been wet that didn't really think all that much of it. Mm-hmm. We came back, like our floor was soaking and literally my, the bowl of my toilet was dripping. So <laughs> we're like quick, like we called the maintenance people. We're like mm-hmm. quick, hi, the Kool-Aid Paul, because like I had gotten um, a lot of Kool-Aid mm-hmm. and we bought a couple of bottles of Kool-Aid because we were going to um, eat cheese and crackers and drink Kool-Aid and watch girl movies. Um, so he came over and he fixed it, but literally like my rug is soaked through and there's three or four towels that I have to do in the laundry now. And yeah, so my toilet was leaking while I was gone. Thank you for joining us for this segment of how's cheese toilet now? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no problem. I'm not the only one. Our water heater in the studio blew up today. <laughs> it blew up? <laughs> <laughs> so I totally can relate. Gee, it sucks. Well, it's like, it's. You know what's funny is we were having a discussion. I think it was maybe in the original thread. And Kez is like, oh, since I signed on to guest host, nothing's happened to me. And we're like, oh, just wait. And it's like the week before <laughs> the whole world around you starts to fall apart. Yeah, it's like, welcome back to Perfect Weekly Episode 95. What's new, everyone? And Jen's like, um, I made a deposit at the bank today. And Meg's like, <laughs> um, my, my kid's bugging me. And she's like, um, I got homework. And I'm like, hmm. I'm married. Um, <laughs> 20 seconds of silence. Anyone want to talk about the fic this week? No, no, no. <laughs> and then just go on to the closing music. So. 
I, I doubt that. When we get to episode 95, I think that uh, How many we'll have to see if there's still an episode 95. There, there probably a... will be this year, right? We had 50-plus yeah. episodes. Yeah, we're going to make episode 95. Right now, the chapters this week. Harry Potter and the Nightmare of Futures past <coughs> chapters 11 through 16. Are those the right chapters? Can I start? Yes. Yeah. C- can you start? Well, yes. Now, Jen, you weren't here last week, and you haven't heard the episode yet. So why don't you bring us up to speed? You and Cody, chapters 1 through 10. How are we doing? You know, okay. <laughs> start out because i think when i first when we first found out we were going to read this story i was like oh my god this is the story where harry goes back goes back in time and he like molests jenny and it's just a freaking <laughs> gross and oh my god and i was just like i can't believe we picked this bit. and okay so i've started rereading it and i ha- i just want to make a point to say this publicly i mixed this story up with a slash story <laughs> In my <laughs> I, like, I so much, and I feel like I have to confess this because I really, I didn't quite bad mouth this thing, but I was very but unhappy about doing this thing because I, honest to God, thought this was a different thing. And so now that I've actually got back into reading it, um, did you ever I, read this before? Yeah, I've read it before, but I was confusing it with what I think it's called Mirror of Maybe, I think, where Harry goes back in time and like he comes back as a young kid, but he's like wearing leather and like he like slides <laughs> up the snape. Like it's just really creepy. Oh, God. And, and you thought the rest of, you thought I loved it? <laughs> Well, that's what I was like. And Ryan was like, I really don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, oh, my God, really? You're not reading into that? (laughs) So I read like I read one through 10 to get ready for last week's podcast. And then I ended up not being able to do it. Um, But then I read one through 10 again, plus through 16 today. And um, just to catch up, because I can't do it in breaks. And I am just so hooked with the story. And I mean, obviously there's some things that I want to talk about, but for the most part, like I love Harry abuse stories and this is like it. (laughs) There's like one scene. I just had to, I just had to bring up that point that I'm super happy that we're doing this story because I like it. (laughs) To condense everything Jen just said, I'm so glad we're not covering crap. No problem, Cody. What do you think? Okay. All right. I'm. I'm trying. I'm gonna obviously gonna keep reading it, but I'm having trouble getting into the story. Okay. Just there are some things that are kind of annoying me. Just ah, the entire premise is kind of like I feel like it's like devaluing the friendship they had and devaluing like Ron and Hermione's lives in some way. Okay. Because they won't die but they won't live the life they were supposed to have lived that's a really good point it's like it's kind of like it's kind of like what you in the year like none other where snape mentions that you don't have the right to save people like you don't have the right to like kind of have them in a padded box and not let them live their lives and i feel that he's kind of like taking away from their lives and taking away from the friendship that he would have had with them because they never knew the other timeline so is your premise that in the other timeline Ginny lived 16 years you know hermione i don't know if they I can't remember what the deal is. I, you know, Hermione lives maybe 25, 26. Ron lives maybe 25, 26. I, forget, I, I know Hermione dies first. I don't know how old they are. So, so what you're saying is those people lived lives, they died, and now by Harry rewriting time and, and, and rewriting... I just, I mean, I know that... 
I don't think it's a writing issue because the author kind of recognizes this, but just as a, a plot, like a, yeah. as a story issue, I feel like Harry is not. I don't like the where Harry's kind of playing God, and I know he makes he recognizes yeah. that fact, but it just doesn't seem like it's a real story to me. Like it doesn't seem like we're seeing authentic anything because Harry's but trying to control I, everything and. Right, but at the same time, I want to argue the point that in Harry's timeline, they all ended up dead. But here's, and in this one, they have a chance at living a life period. Like in this the, one, the only friendship they have, since they never lived in the other timeline, the only friendship they have is entirely orchestrated by Harry, based on his word of a timeline that they never knew existed. Well, let me say this, but, though, because uh, just, just in fairness, too, because usually when we do these, people have listened to the last episode, and then they jump into this one. Um, Cody hasn't heard the last episode yet. One point we talked about this a little bit last week. One point that I brought up is this, my girlfriend, I met her five years ago and I remember how we met. We met in school and I remember, you know, the first date we went on and the first time, you know, she got to know me. I remember how everything worked before. I remember jokes I made. I remember things I said that were stupid. I remember all that. If I went back in time, I still feel the feelings for her that I feel today. So, but she has no idea who I am because she's five years younger and we're starting over again. I would try to, you know, cause the same things to happen in order to get to the point where we are now, to get to the point, you know, I would try and, and make it so that she laughs at the same jokes and sees me for who I am and, and try and recreate the, you know, the same initial events. But in doing that, it seems like I'm being manipulative because I'm trying to, you know, cause yeah. the same reactions in her, but I'm doing it out of a sense of love and I'm doing it because I want her to become more or less the same person that she was before. So, I don't know another way to do it because if you did go back in time, I don't know anyone unless they lost their memory who could just say, Oh, let's try it different this time and see if it works out. People are going to say, yeah. well, I know it works. <clears throat> so, I mean, that's one thing I read into, into Harry's role here. And there is discomfort for him. I, and I really sense that in 11, 16, even more so than I did in one through 10, you yeah. know, okay. The, the chamber of secrets, does he let Ginny go through that again? I mean, how, you know, what yeah. do you do? You know, but it gave them, really- this, but it gave them a common, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I do agree yeah. with, with Cody that she's saying, you know, he is playing God because he's deciding what he will and won't, like what experiences he's allowing people to have that make them who they are. And I don't think that's necessarily the right way to go about it. Because <clears throat> I am a believer that experiences, period, good or bad, make us who we are. Uh, and so he's kind of hurting himself by not letting his friends experience things. Well, I have, yeah, I have another point to make, but I want to let you guys in. Uh, Chi, what do you think, then, Meg? Well, I was just going to say, to Viridian's credit, he, the first, uh, the first, I would say probably seven or eight chapters, you kind of feel like maybe he's kind of copping out of the real issues of this, mm-hmm. of, of doing this, you know, of yeah. manipulating people and the emotional ramifications and that kind of stuff. And then by about chapter nine or ten, it's like something clicks and the story gets dramatically better. I would say exponentially better. Like, you know, chapters 11 through 16, like, finally we're getting down to the real meat of the the issues of, you know, what doing this would actually be like, instead of just kind of a tip through to the tulips, let's fix everything type of experience. This is a, now we're into, Harry is now choosing what kind of actions he's going to take, and there are going to be different effects, because every cause produces an effect. So... Um, we're starting to see it now in, you know, while Harry chooses to act a little differently with the Dursleys and it has a, a negative effect, um, 
but you know, at the same time, Ron and Hermione are changing from the people he knew them as. <coughs> Ron's a great deal more protective in this series than he was in the canon, uh, the, or the first timeline. Sorry. Um, so you know, you see. You see Harry's choices begin to affect people, and now we're having a different, a very different experience um, with this fic. And I think that, you know, from here on out, it's going to be um, kind of a little bit more smooth sailing with reading it as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, with Eleven, obviously, we see Harry realizing what a wrong decision can, how it can affect him. I mean, mm-hmm. and not just him, but... You know, their free world, as it were. I mean, if he dies, then they still have to contend with Voldemort. And so that's a big wake-up call for Harry and Eleven. But I believe that as the fic progresses, he sees not only how it affects things in the short term in a bad way, but maybe how it affects the friendships and the other people, Mm -hmm. like Ron and Hermione especially. I know that Mm -hmm. there are some cases where Harry is saying things. And to me, from Hermione's point of view, what is to keep her from falling head over heels for Harry? Because in Hermione's book, why, to me, Harry is like her perfect guy. Like, why would she fall for Ron after this, like, handsome, intelligent, book-learning yeah. guy? Do you know what I mean? Because like, she can't he, understand it. But at the same time, she's fascinated by it. It like, could have gone the other way. I mean, yeah. Story. Well, that's the thing Harry doesn't understand in the beginning, and I think it's... If you actually think about the early chapters, the way it kind of works out like she was just describing kind of makes sense within, you know, the plot of the story. If you go back on the day you meet someone and do it over again, there's only so many ways you can, like, unless you accidentally, like, knock the person onto the train tracks or beat them up or something, there's only so many ways you can screw that up. So Harry goes back, he meets Ron, he meets Hermione, he meets Neville, you know, he meets Ginny, and, you know, he, he makes minor changes, you know, he flirts with Ginny, and he, you know, he, you know, arranges to be your pen pal, and, you know, he, he, you know, cooperate. He beats up Draco Malfoy. He does all these does all these different things. But in one day, you're not going to really see those results. So even if you set these characters off on different paths, there's going to be no consequence for a while. I mean, within the chapters tonight, Harry came almost within a stone throw of being adopted by Lucius Malfoy. He almost was killed by Vernon Dursley. You know, like he, he like that dramatic. You know, he he's been adopted by the Weasleys. Dramatic different changes. You know, he, he's completely at odds with Dumbledore. Dramatically different things that happened in the canon, which now we're beginning to see. And, and, and the crumbs for that, I think, were laid in earlier chapters. So it's, you know, it, I, don't, I know the story is in its third year now, and I'm assuming it's going to go for all seven and even maybe beyond. You know, you're, you're going to see a dramatically different year seven because Harry is making little changes in the beginning that really blossom over yeah. time. But I just wanted to jump in on one thing. That, um, that we were talking about the, you know, the level of manipulation and so forth. And Jen had brought up, um, I forget if it was Jen or, or Cody about Hermione, about how Harry's, you know, guiding Hermione and guiding Ron into the people he wants them to be. Let me just, for purposes of argument, I don't know if I necessarily believe this, but I love playing devil's advocate. Okay. So you have Harry knowing what will happen. He knows that, that, you know, Hermione will grow in, in, into a particular person, what Ron will grow into, if he does everything precisely the same, which he can't. Because now, he, when you know what's going to happen, you're going to do things differently. Your inflections will be different. Your knowledge is different. He can't live the years over again unless he loses those memories. He can't do it. He, things are going to be different with that foreknowledge. So these, their lives will be either a little different or maybe a lot different. Now, he knows what Hermione's capable of. He knows what Ron's capable of. He knows what Ginny's capable of. He knows... You know, essentially, he's learned over time, I need to talk to Ron this way. I need to, you know, talk to Hermione this way. I need to treat Ginny this way. Of course, knowing that Ginny has a crush on him, he's going to treat her differently. 
or he's going to really resist that urge. He's going to have urges to treat them like their older selves because he's known them for so long. Is it manipulation if Harry knows that Hermione is capable of becoming overbearing, and if Ron is capable of becoming pig-headed? Is it manipulation for him to treat them with, you know, based on the knowledge that he has of them in a different way towards a better result? Is that manipulating them into being the people he wants them to be? Or is that him knowing what Ron's capable of? I mean, I guess my question is, is Harry ethically bound to ignore his knowledge of what's going to happen and force situations to be as close to the original timeline as possible? Or can he do that? Can he say, you know what? Hermione is going to piss everybody off unless I tell her X, Y, and Z. So I'm telling her X, Y, and Z. Life will be better for her. I mean, just from an ethical standpoint, I think it's an interesting question. I think that what I kind of was thinking of when I, I mean, like the manipulation is that it kind of, I think it, again, like it just devalues the friendship they have because they don't have a friendship. Like the only friendship that they have is one that, that he kind of made and they never knew the other one. So it's kind of, I mean, am I making any sense there? It's this entire no, it thing confuses me that continuum, but I feel like he doesn't have as strong of a relationship with them because he is trying to recreate a relationship he had in a life that they never knew about. It's like, say, I, say I, woke up, I woke up from a dream, okay? Mm-hmm. And I said I was, like, married to someone or I had a vision or something. And then I tried to recreate what I had seen in that vision just because, even if it wasn't a person I liked, just because it was in that vision. And it wouldn't be the same as if I just, like, met, really met that person on the street and then had mm-hmm. a, you know, like, got to know them. Yeah. So I just feel like it's a different because they never knew about the other other life. So it kind of it's hard to, for me to just get into this thing and accept it because mm-hmm. I don't really feel I don't know. That's that's my I, I think that no matter how you look at it, it's a manipulation because Harry has knowledge of something that they don't and is using it to change things. Whether his in his purposes, I I mean his intent is I think good. he does have good intentions. I know that. Be, he wants it to be good. However, he may know that Ron and Hermione and Ginny and Neville and Luna are capable of things, but he's stealing from them their learning process. They're realizing on their own that they're capable of things. And I don't really feel like they're going to grow to their full potential unless they get it on their own. Mm-hmm. But I think also the the strange thing is, you know, Harry is doing things to protect them, but the universe is providing, yeah. it's kind of like, Karma keeps coming around to bite Harry on the butt. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you, you know, um, take on the troll by yourself or whatever, you know, different experiences will solidify Ron and Hermione's friendship. Or, you know, who's to say what discovering Harry, um, discovering Harry, haha, <laughs> discovering Harry, okay, discovering Harry, um, <laughs> broken. Product the, placement. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a glass of, uh, Kool-Aid. Um, so. <laughs> So finding Harry um, broken on the floor, you know, laying basically in a pile of his bodily fluids, what 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 does that do to Ron? So the universe is providing experiences that are basically forcing them to grow up, just not the ones that Harry is used to. Mm-hmm. I mean, but the same things. History is repeating itself. I mean, look at Hermione and the troll that was in the right. last few chapters, but it still happened no matter how hard Harry oh. tried to stop it. Right. Like, fate, like, that gives the whole conversation about fate, and, you know. I do see where Cody's coming from. Like, I find it, I don't necessarily find it hard to get in the story because of the forced relationships, but from the idea that, that Harry, what I don't understand is, okay, 
I think there's a, I don't know. And maybe y'all can clarify this. Okay. When Harry like showed up at 12 year old Harry's body mm-hmm. and they sort of made a deal about how they were going to merge and he wouldn't be the same 12 year old Harry and he wouldn't be the same 30 year old Harry. But I feel in a lot of ways that 12 year old Harry just sort of disappeared. Yeah. I, I wrote that Harry, down actually too. Really? Well, 30 year Harry just sort of took over and like, I feel like, I kind of can't, my problems with getting in the story are mostly about Harry is not speaking, thinking, or acting like a 12-year-old. And yeah. no one seems to question it except Hermione a little. Well, and yeah. I just feel it's really under, like, we're underestimating their potential as characters. I just want to say this because this was something we discussed last week. Um, but oh, I think, I it, no, I think it, no, it, it definitely deserves repeating because it's so central to the story. And I actually have comments on how I think it's changed in, in these five chapters. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. It was, descri- it was described as a merger of, of 11-year-old Harry and 30-year-old Harry, or, or the, the, the memories of 30-year-old Harry, I should say, into 11-year-old Harry. And it's then later described, I believe, in Chapter 11 as, you know, th- there's like there's two entities within him that are merging together. That's the first acknowledgement that, you know, the like the 30-year-old Harry is, mel- is melding in with the 11-year-old Harry. And we talked about it a lot last week in the context of his relationship with Ginny. Is it inappropriate based on the fact he's essentially a 30-year-old walking around with a little guy's body? And Mike brought up a great point last week that if you saw a brilliant kid who speaks like chi all the time walking around you wouldn't think oh my god it's invasion of the body snatchers you say oh my god it's like a little version of chi walking around like you would think yeah, that harry it's a very yeah. precocious 11 year old exactly which I was to be fair person. you know if you live in a magical world there are more things that you would expect to be possible just as a just, exactly you know. exactly and, and i think it was meg last week who brought up the point why isn't dumbledore assume it's 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 you know it's a death either you know Drinking polyjuice because when a Death Eater drinking polyjuice happens to show up at the school in book four, Dumbledore missed it then. Why would he catch it now? He's not going to try to scram. I have to disagree with that just a little though, because Harry's doing things like setting up meetings with Gringot goblins and like things that are not. I mean, that's things twelve year olds one don't don't even worry about, and two, that's not normal. No, it's not normal. No, are you sure? Because I'm sure Draco Malfoy would probably meet up with the Green Grass Goblin. No issue. Really? I don't. I yeah, just. I'm sure he would. No, I mean, I, mean, I think yet, different eleven-year-olds act different ways. But we're talking about some very smart adults, right? The McGonagall, right. the Dumbledore. They should notice they something off. Yeah, but not higher to, than just being precocious. But not to repeat too much from last week's episode. But no one thought it was odd that a twelve-year-old defeated a basilisk. No one thought it was, you know, odd that an eleven-year-old made it through McGonagall's test board. I mean, the, here's the thing: and someone put up the point last week. You know, Harry doesn't talk like a normal eleven-year-old. Pick up Sorcerer's Stone. None of them talk like eleven-year-olds. They're yeah, brilliant. Good I mean, point. this is this is a fictional world. Yes, but we are seeing the, the eleven, twelve-year-old behavior of Ginny and Ron and Hermione and Neville, right. and he seems like this character that doesn't even fit in. I do want to submit to this. Yeah. Very displaced, yeah. yeah but want- then again, I mean, I want to point out, just, you know, for the record, I wrote my first novel at 11. So, yeah, I'm sure Cody can identify too with not, yeah, and there are 11-year-olds who just never, ever fit in. Yeah. Just, you know, they're levels above everybody else. That was my problem when I was 11. Well, that was Harry from the original timeline, though. He didn't fit in yeah. to begin with. 
Right, Harry, exactly. how abnormal was Harry when he's 11? He's been, you know, locked in the closet for 11 years, and he's walking around hugging people, and, and he, he doesn't seem bitter. I mean, There is definitely a difference between Harry in book one and Harry in book seven. Just 30. His body's growing, but he's always so ahead of them. Like one well, My step problem ahead. isn't really necessarily that he's, like, articulate, but, I mean, that was kind of addressed even in the story, that that's the problem that he's trying to, like, control. Oh, please, at one point but- he said shunt, and I'm sorry, maybe <laughs> shunt in Britain is perfectly normal, but, like, shunt? Like, like it just it's seemed- not. Harry it's not- doesn't say that in the book. Well, it's not normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. I mean, one thing I just want to say, I want to say this, too, because this is where I think we've, we've settled this ground a lot. I will say this. In the first seven chapters, eight chapters, whatever it was, the, the story seems weird because it seems like Harry is walking around with a checklist saying, make sure Ron and Hermione don't kill each other. Check. <laughs> check. I mean, so the scene when he first goes to meet the, the, the goblin, you're like, what the freaking hell is going on here? Like, it just, it, it, of course, it didn't, it didn't work well and it didn't seem right. I mean, that, I, I, I will give you that. But my other thing is, the scene in chapter 11 or 12 when Harry's, you know, with the healer and he's trying to explain, you know, why he has two magical signatures within him and why they're merging and has anything strange ever happened to you? And Harry just kind of taps his forehead and, the, and he's like, oh, okay. I mean, okay. It's the boy who lived. He de- he defeated Voldemort when he was a baby and, you know, we don't know where he is. He's the famous Harry Potter and you meet the kid and he's he's like a walking around version of C. Forbes, you know. Like, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to be like, oh my god, it's an invasion of the body. You're going to be like, oh, look at that. He's like you pat him in the head and take him home with you. I mean, that's yeah, I mean, everything expected, but didn't get in the canon. <laughs> right. I was just gonna say that it just like what I was talking about before. It kind of seems like he's giving a Deus Ex Machina to every situation, which kind of makes it a less interesting story. Like on the level of a story, not on the level of a character, but just as a story. Like him kind of giving a Deus Ex Machina to like every situation almost, except like the Dursley situation. Well, that's the thing. Um, Earlier, you're can I right. Just, hold on. Can we just stop the podcast and yes. give, uh, get 40 points for using Deus Ex Machina, please? It, well, no, here's the thing. We're going to give her points, number one, for using it, number two, correctly pronouncing it. Because I can't – what was the yeah. word I couldn't even say a couple of weeks ago? I couldn't say, like, defeat or something like that. It was, like, some normal word. So so points to Slytherin right there. But um, Okay. Yeah, keep, no, you know what? Keep going. I'm going to shut up now. Okay. And – um. Just another thing I was kind of writing down while you were talking. Um, when you were talking about the person at, like, the things merging, it reminded me of – this is a problem in this fic I'm reading. that I'm getting strongly reminded of other fics I've read, and one of those is one I read um, – I didn't actually finish it. It was, like, 200 chapters long, I swear. Mm-hmm. But it was about Harry having a multiple personality disorder, mm-hmm. and I guess it was done by someone who, like, knew what they were actually talking about. Mm-hmm. But he had, like, these different personalities because they split off at different points in his life. But they, like, it went into Harry's mind, and it talked about how they had, like, individual rooms. It was kind of strange, but I just kind of was thinking of that. Like, do you think there could be, like, they both exist? They don't, like, merge, but, like, they come out at different times, well, this kind is, of? This is the thing. that's what it was in the fic that I read. It was, like, they, they came out at different times. Like, some of them were sleeping, and some of them were, you know. Yeah. And I just didn't know if it was like that. Well, this is what I, P.S. and I were debating last week about... You know, Mike brought up the, the issue of souls, and we were discussing what makes a person. If you know everything I know right now, if you have all my memories, and my memories are implanted in you, you know, what is that driving force that then, you know, Cody has all my memories. She's not me. She knows everything, you know, that, but she's still Cody. She's Cody knowing everything about Ryan. Now, what if, 
you have, you know, an 11-year-old Harry with 30-year-old Harry's memories, you would think Harry's walking around going, oh my god, I, I, like, I've never been here before, but I know these people. That's 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 wrong over there, and that's Hermione, and I remember this and this. And this. That's not the way the Viridian's writing the story. The story is literally 30-year-old Harry, who's four feet tall, goes walking into the Great Hall for the first time. It's written from 30-year-old Harry's perspective, you know, from a, from a storytelling standpoint. Just the thing about souls and memories, I was kind of thinking about this at another point. I'm not sure what context it was in, but the way that souls work in the relation to Horcruxes. And we were talking about how the soul worked with the diary versus how the soul worked with, like, the locket, for example. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about how the the soul part in the locket, it had the essence – sorry, I I was trying to think of a more specific word – but the essence of Voldemort, and then it could kind of have an effect on Ron – it didn't have like it wasn't like telling him literally what to do. It wasn't like it was a voice in his head, but it was like an essence and kind of like a force that had power over him. Mm-hmm. Um, in contrast, the diary had that force, but it also had the added value of memories. And I think that was what was able to create a full person because it had the soul that Voldemort put into it, but it also because it was a diary and it, he wrote in it, he had memories. So. I feel like the memories are separate from the soul because, you know, like the Horcrux, the, you know, Nagini wasn't going to get around and start cursing people. I mean, it was just an essence. It wasn't like, I don't think soul is memories. I think that soul is separate from memories, even in, in, in context of canon and in context of just in general. And in the context of the story, Harry goes back in time and it's literally his essence that's implanted into his younger self. Is it ever described as his But memories? it's his soul, so it's not like it's Hermione coming back. I mean, even the Sorting Head said it, the only thing between these ears is Harry James Potter. I mean, right. it's him, it's just a different him. But within so the it's story, not like I'm going into your body, it's just it's like a different him. And within the story itself, just to refresh my memory... It, Jen, you read it today. It's described as Harry's essence, or I don't know if essence is the word, but it's not just Harry transmits, you know, a message back in time. Harry himself, you know, the 30-year-old Harry goes back in time and merges with with, with 11-year-old Harry, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's the premise. Oh, you didn't even know what the hell a damn story was. Shut up, Jen. <laughs> Jen's reading a year like none other by asking in the sunlight, wondering what the hell we're all talking about. I think that Viridian picked an interesting way to tell the story. Because it's obvious from our discussion that he could have gone yeah. any other direction, you know. And I think, I, I think you know, it would be interesting to see him write it this way and then maybe go, okay, now I'm going to write it, like, a different way. Like, he could just play with this concept and write a thousand different stories. Why? Well, That's well, what's interesting about alternate universe. Yeah, you can keep coming back. Well, you like, just kind of change so little things and... Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like last week I bitched and moaned because I wished he wrote the story from the perspective of 11-year-old Harry with all these weird flashes from the future. But now I'm I'm very pleased with the way the story is going. This it's is is as a direct result of these chapters because I think we've established last week without even talking to Viridian. I know he's a Star Trek fan because this is that type of story. It's, it's <laughs> you know, Jen. Would you like me to mail you all the Star Trek episodes so you can watch them in advance of next week's episode? She'll do it. There's 700 hours. But um, she'll skim them, apparently, because there's only 120-something hours in a week, or oh. 178, or whatever. But, ooh, you can actually watch the entire Next Generation. Wait, continue. The- continue. And I'm doing math in my head. There's 178 like, hours. You don't hours. sleep or, or do anything productive. All right, sorry. Podcast, podcast, podcast. Or go to the bathroom or eat or, <laughs> or, you know, whatever else you might occupy your time with. <laughs> exactly. Podcast. Okay. So, <laughs> back with 
Oh, Star Wars. Star right. Trek. We have to get back on topic now that we're done talking about Star Trek. There you go. We're talking about, like, the Wrath of Khan, good or bad. And we're like, what the hell happened to the story? Alright. So when you, when you go into the chapter site, I mean, one of the, one of the moments that I thought was great was it's, it's Harry dealing with Ginny. Now I think, I think I, I don't remember if I said this exactly this way on the podcast last week, so I just want to say it again, just in case I didn't. If I said this, go change your laundry or whatever. One thing, you know, we talked a lot last week. <laughs> we about haven't the, heard it yet. What's that, that a Godfather back? joke? <laughs> what? Is the Godfather joke? I said, is that a, you said you do the laundry. Is <laughs> oh, that the Godfather right. joke? <sighs> just leave it. Just leave it. Just leave it. Right. <laughs> I don't get it. No, no one does. Not no, even they say like, oh, wait, maybe it's about a mattress. Is it laundry or mattress? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go to the mattresses. <laughs> How did you go from Godfather to a mattress? Cody, welcome oh, to Puff Wolf. No, I, I know. I like know. Godfather fans out there will understand what I'm talking about. The, the, <laughs> no, they won't. No, they won't. All right. <laughs> I don't even remember what I was just saying. What was I just saying? Jump in something. Go. What, no. What was? Uh, what was I just? You're talking about Star Trek or something? No. I... You're talking about Ginny and something you said last week. You don't even Thank know you, that. Cody. You, you can just say. Fell back on that. Like you're probably talking about Star Trek. Cody can say. Cody can say. All right. The, it's, it's Harry and Ginny, and he's trying to figure. It, he's doing the thing, which I for a minute, I you know, it was like I listened to these chapters on my iPod and I thought for a minute it, it said something you know I, I was like switching lanes or something so I missed a line and I thought the story was going in a different direction and I'm like oh my god I'm going to kill him and as it turns out it wasn't because I backed the thing up by the way when you have a new iPod and you try and like rewind it while you're driving not the easiesty thing in the world let me just tell you yeah you end up it on ch- like doesn't work as well yeah you end up on chapter 2 and I'm like oh my god he's on the damn Hogwarts Express again alright <laughs> When 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 it was the, it was the moment when Harry flashed forward into the future and he's remembering how he left Ginny behind at the burrow and Ginny later died at Hogwarts that year and he was oh. it, it was it's the whole thing oh should I get stay away from her to protect her but I love her but she'll be better for that I thought he was doing that as as twelve year old Harry I thought he was doing I'm like oh my god you learn nothing you moron so as it turns out he was just remembering last time but he raises an interesting point is this still my Ginny. And it's something that Cody reminded me of in the beginning of the podcast tonight. Ginny Weasley, the Harry fell in love with, died at 16. And he pined after her for... Oh, this is what I was going to say before. You know, 16, 17-year-old Harry, 16-year-old Ginny. You know, 16-year-old Ginny dies. 17-year-old Harry loses the love of his life. He, 13 years later, you know, 30-year-old Harry is still remembering the love he felt for 16-year-old Ginny at the time. He then sees... He goes back in time... And he meets 10-year-old Jenny, now 11-year-old Jenny. He still feels what he felt for 16-year-old Jenny. So it's not, you know, for those of us last week who were saying that, you know, that might, it was inappropriate, I just don't feel it is. Because it's like saying if you're 20 and you're married to another 20-year-old and, and you're, you know, your husband dies and then, you, you know, 50 years later you're 70 and you still, you know, long for your, for your dead husband, it's not like a 70-year-old dating a 20-year-old. I mean, time isn't, rel- it, well, time is relative in that case. And, and, you know, when you look at Jenny, though, is this still his Ginny? You know, if you believe in heaven, if you, you know, Harry once says to Tonks, you know, tell Ginny I'll be, I'll be right behind you. You know, okay, 16-year-old Ginny, she lived, she died defending Hogwarts. Oh, gosh, I see what you're saying. Is did she Did she actually die, and did that Ginny ever exist? Did that Ginny ever exist? Is this like an alternate time? Is that is this like a second timeline, and the old one's still there? The that I feel must be brought up is the entire thing, I feel this is like the Back to the Future complex. It is. If Harry like, went yeah. back and changed it, well, he 
go back and change it. I think the if only one that would have tr- the only one that would be in fear of losing his soul would be Harry because he's went back to all of them at a different period of time. You know, I'm just so saying, like, if he went back and changed it so he didn't, they didn't die, would he have the impetus to go back and change it? Right. That's you see what, what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, like, it's the Godfather complex. If you go back in time and kill, I'm sorry, it's the Godfather. Complex. It's the <laughs> Grandfather like, complex. Godfather. If you go back in time and kill your grandfather, your grandfather's dead. Yeah, your father exactly. was never born. You were never born. You never exist. If you never, you never exist, went back in time, how are you go kill your grandfather? So your grandfather suddenly is a circular okay. loop. So I mean, I. I you know, is that going to be kind of dealt with? I'm wondering. I'm willing okay, to bet but, it's not going to be a paradox. I'm willing to bet is it's a separate timeline. I don't think it's a paradox. But, but the, and I don't think it's a separate it's timeline. It's like you went through like through like seven years and it kind of got back and it's like, oh, crap, that never happened. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I don't know. I think, I, I think you know, the only person that's really in danger of, you know, like they said, of losing a soul is Harry because he's almost done something to, like, he's done something that would be... Similar to something that Voldemort did. It's kind you of know, like making splitting a his soul. From, from his own it's death. kind of like making Horcrux from death. So but your own death. Instead of exactly, yeah. exactly. So I don't know. I, I, and I don't think that, you know, we really have, I, I, I don't know that we're, that Viridian has the time to get into an existential discussion about, you know, is this a separate timeline or, you know, what are the consequences on the universe or, yeah, well, you know, that, that would be more of a quantum physics thesis than a Harry Potter. Well, again, this is something that I've so. seen in a lot of, especially post-war fanfics that I've read. One in particular, um, actually by the author of uh, When a Line of Fights, but, um, and it's kind of this post-war Harry, he doesn't care. He honestly does not care about himself. He, even through the Hogwarts years, he didn't care. That, I mean, he did not have a great degree of self-preservation. He was not, you know, he didn't care as much about himself as he did about his friends. Now, when all his friends are gone and he feels the guilt of their basically blood on his hands, he doesn't care if he loses his soul. All he cares about, the reason he's doing all this, it's not to save his own, like, to give himself happiness. It's to save them. Like, I, I get the feeling that if he felt that he could do something which would, you know, take them away from his life but make them, like, make them safer, that he almost would do it, especially towards the end. And it's not, I don't think he cares if he loses his soul. No, you're right. He feels well, like I he's think, kind of I already think we're talked. getting into a conversation that the story doesn't even go. I mean, I think we're yeah, looking a little bit more profound than this story was written. For. I don't think that the issue of souls or right. whatever. I mean, in, in Harry's point of view, I think it's both, you can look at it both selfishly. Harry lost everything. I mean, look at what he said to the portrait. I have nothing, like, I was going to commit suicide. I literally have nothing left to Hard. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, there's nothing left. I'm going to commit suicide anyway. I might as well do it trying to, like, yeah. save some sort of life. And also for the all his fa- friends and family, everybody died so young and horribly. And he has a way to change their life, like, to where things can get better. And so I think that's the entire issue. Like, there's no issue of heaven or s- souls or anything. Yeah. Well, I think it is interesting but to ask the question. Well, the, here's does the that I mean, exist? Yeah, well, well, not only that, within the context of the story, you know, let's look at it this way. I mean, I'm not going to get into the context, into the discussion of, you know, will Harry, once he saves the world, you know, go, will there be a paradox because he can't then go back and save it? I mean, let's put that aside for the moment. Um, in terms of, you know, souls, you know, if, if you want to have that debate, you know, J.K.R. has said, which I think feels true for the universe, that the, the reason Voldemort could create Horcruxes was because, you know, just the utterly lo- loathsome, you know, 
person he was. And when you even hear her describe on Pottercast, you know, the fact that um, the, his resurrection and the creation of a Horcrux are the two things she, you know, can't even stomach talking about shows that it's such right. a terrible thing that, you know, there's no way Harry in, in trying to save the world could ever do something, I believe, to his soul in the context of JKR's universe. Well, could I mean, it be like the, an opposite Horcrux in that it's not done for a selfish purpose, but done for a selfless purpose? Yeah, it could be something. Like, it's kind of like an anti-Horcrux in that you split your soul, but it's not splitting it, like, for a selfish way, but it's right. splitting it to, like, well, kind of like saying, rendered it his body, basically. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a movement. It. But don't forget, too, that the Horcruxes do take place. There are Horcruxes in this universe, so that may be something that down the line, you know, does become relevant. Yeah. But, but, well, I mean, he doesn't actually split his soul. He almost, like, doubles his soul, if you think about okay. it. It's like an opposite, because he well, takes he his soul and adds it to his other soul. So well, now he has two okay. souls, it's, it's, it's his one soul. It's, well, it's merged. Yeah. It's merged. Well, I'm oh, sorry. God, I'm confused. I'm confused, dude. Um, the last thing I want to say is, but there are things within these chapters. I'm sorry, there are things within the story that are fact. Harry did reset time so that everyone gets to live their lives again. Yes, they get to live. Yes, they have the possibility of not dying young, but they do lose everything. The love that Ginny had for Harry, gone. It needs to be reborn. The love that Hermione and Ron had for each other needs to be reborn. He's doing a good job so far of not totally screwing it up, but that possibility does exist. So even though it was a selfless act on Harry's part, you know, I was having this conversation with my mother later tonight. I mean, my mother's had bad five years. She's had, she's had terrible five years. But I even said to her, a lot of good things happened in these five years, too. And, you know, you can make an argument, well, that weighs what? But you, you lose everything. It's literally wiping the slate clean. And does Harry have the power to play God? Well, he had the resources to do it, and he just didn't give a damn. And within any other type of story, you can make the you know the argument that Harry's a tragic hero. Or you can make the argument that um, you know Harry is a manipulator like Dumbledore. But Harry definitely takes a very moral. It's an ethically questionable stance in deciding to play God over the lives of his now deceased friend and family. And that's a fact within the story. And I think it, it's an interesting one. It's not, you know, comic book Harry. This is a Harry right. who has made a very questionable well, decision. Not comic the 1930s, maybe comic books yeah. from the 1980s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, it, <laughs> but this <Sorry>. is... <laughs> No problem. But this is a Harry who definitely, I, I think Viridian's story is improved based on the fact that this is a Harry who does things which are questionable and he questions himself because if he didn't, he wouldn't be Harry. But I just want to say one thing, and, and this gets into the chapters for tonight. Think about who, because this, we were talking about does Harry seem like, you know, young Albert Einstein? Does he seem like Steve Forbes? Let's think about who this person is to the best that we know, and let's use that as a jumping board into the chapters. This is a Harry who. Is you know he he lived with the Dursleys for eleven years locked in the closet. Okay, now J.K.R. says he comes out you know totally fine. We could argue he comes out you know if you read a year like none other he comes out with a whole host of issues. All right, so that's the <laughs> Harry that we have right now. Then he goes to Hogwarts and he lives um, for six years like we see in the canon. Then in year seven, he, uh, the school is destroyed. Most of his friends are killed. The love of his life is essentially mutilated. Um, he has to bury everyone. He has to, you know, go to Ginny's funeral at the borough and spend time around her grieving parents. He has to hold Ron back when the borough is destroyed. He ha- he literally goes through everything. Loses. So basically, if he doesn't have issues at this point, he's a rock. Exactly. Now he goes back in time and he gets to meet Ginny again, and he gets to meet Ron again. In her mind. Now he's now in the body of an eleven-year-old. 
And yes, he comes across like someone who is 31 years old and has, you know, a lot of foreknowledge and knows how to speak well and, you know, knows a lot of spells. But think about who he is emotionally. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, now, okay. I think it's even mentioned by the author that he has PTSD and that he hasn't actually recovered from it because of all this, like, post, oh, sorry, post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. But he hasn't actually recovered from it, so he is emotionally not stable. He's not there. Yeah. I mean, why that, does nobody? I don't sorry to interrupt, but why does nobody question his uh, uh, his amazing use of spells? Like, yeah, that's he's what doing I was it in like seventh. Nobody even says anything Hermione. except, "Wow, that's he's sort brilliant." Of Hermione does. Hermione. I think it'd be really interesting if Hermione kind of caught on later, she and like she was I, kind of. I think she's well on her way. Yeah. I think I if she, like, caught on and he was just like, you can't say... But, like, how would that work then? If she... Like, even if she didn't say anything to anyone else, her story would be slightly different. Unless he had to tell her, you do this, like, every day, you do this, so that you do it everything exactly the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or you just... Or you tell her and you accept that things are going to be different and you're not always going to know what's going to come next. Aria's going to have to get to a point in this story where he's like, I... Every day is not going to be the same as it was. I'm just going to have to accept things as they come and deal with them with the knowledge in my power. Well, he very I much gets that way. Yeah, he gets yeah, that he way. Yeah, probably, he gets that way. During these Finally. chapters. I mean, the chapters end off with Harry feeling hopeful that maybe, just maybe, you know, this can work. But, you know, you know yeah. which is a great way to end our podcast, by the way, on a note of hope. Oh, thank God. I mean, <laughs> half of these episodes were like crawling to the finish line, folks. Thank God we can be hopeful for once. But no, that's exactly, I mean, look, okay, look at these chapters. Harry is nearly, you know, adopted by the Malfoys. He's been adopted by the Weasleys. He has gone up against Dumbledore and won. He is rescuing Sirius Black from prison. He's been beaten to death by the Dursleys, pretty much. Um, you know, he's advanced his relationship with Ginny. I mean, he he's arranging to, you know, have the, ver- the Dursleys' lives ruined. These are things that never happened before. He is taking this to a whole new... He's about to probably question whether or not to stop Ginny from, you know, being drawn in by Tom Riddle. Maybe he'll take Ginny's place with the diary, or maybe he'll make Ginny do it because it's needed for her development. I really doubt that. But Harry... I don't don't know. But he's really at that... I don't think he takes it from that standpoint of, let's let them learn from their age. I don't really don't think he's... Well, I don't think Harry right now will do that, because I think he's learning... yeah, I he's think- too much of a proud parent almost because yes. he's not really looking at them as equal. He's, he's looking at them as like- children. Yes, really. I mean, when he's with them, he's they're like kids, and I- he's like an adult, and he's I- like proud parent. I can't. I want them to learn things, but I don't want them to go no. through the pain of it. And I, I think especially with Ginny, he feels that way. No, I don't believe that. After eleven through sixteen, I truly don't. And I'm not just sticking up for them playing devil's advocate. I really feel like, like, like. Let me give an example. Like the chapter um, that deals with Harry um, going out for his jog with 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 Ron and Ginny and he is just you know so upset with the memories of what is I forget what memory um precipitated it but he literally runs so fast because he doesn't want them to see him you know crying and he tires them out and he goes back and takes a shower to rejuvenate himself he's dealing with the burdens of what he dealt with before he's remembering you know the the burrow burned to the ground he's remembering you know Ginny's body you know broken at Hogwarts he's remembering these awful things and you know when 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 11 year old Ginny comes down the stairs and puts her hand you know on his leg and and tries to calm him down and you know he hugs you know Ginny and, and mom 
Holly. And are some of his speeches rehearsed? Yes. Is he trying to elicit a particular type of reaction from them? Yes. But you know what? 11-year-olds and 12-year-olds do that all the time. But I really feel like, you know, in the Harry Potter universe, and especially in the story, you're, you're really dealing with a Harry who I think when he, I think during these chapters when he looks at Ron, yes, he knows how Ron acts. He knows Ron very well. He's known Ron for longer in that scene than, than Ron has known him. But I just don't get the sense that he's like looking down at Ron like I would look down, you know, on an eight-year-old right now as as the adult figure. Well, I don't. I agree, I agree with that. I agree with that. I, I just don't think he's. I don't think he sees himself as. It's not condescending. Well, no, yeah, not condescending, but like protective. He does. Yes, he doesn't see himself as an adult figure uh-huh. to to the trio and Ginny's, you know as children he doesn't and really he's not he's more broken than they are and he may have been which is ironic because he's been hardened by war but you know and someone said earlier will different harrys come i think it was cody will different harrys come out like when he sees um when he sees arthur with the gun and he's he's playing with the gun and harry remembers that the americans taught him i love how they fit americans in here the americans taught him you know never you know no gun is ever not loaded so he seals the gun to protect arthur from it i mean that's like a parenting thing to do but he also needs molly to hug him and he also you know i mean there's there's other areas where i mean i think this is kind of like the, the harry paradox in general i mean you have someone who's in some ways wise beyond his years, you have someone who's in some ways emotionally broken. I mean, that doesn't change between 30-year-old Harry and 15-year-old Harry in yeah. some ways. Yeah. I mean, so, you have Harry who, you know, can lead an army, I mean, like, can lead people and be a leader, but yet who is very emotionally not all that, I mean, has emotional problems. So, I think that this is Harry in general. I mean, he does have this foreknowledge, but he does still at 30 where he's kind of never, he's kind of in the serious complex where he never matures beyond 17. Yeah. He does still have emotional problems. So I think that's just Harry's character in general. Yeah. I, my favorite moments from these chapters were really the ones where Harry would wake up from a dream because it really shows that even though he's in a young body, he just, like that when he wakes up after seeing the burrow burns and he wakes mm-hmm. up and Ron's staring at him, his first reaction is to scream at Ron and tell him, well, I saw the burrow burn to death and we're holding you back and, you know, every, and your mother was killed. And Ron's like, why would you dream that? And it's like Harry can't even catch his breath. And there's, like, the moment where Molly comes down to him and says, I've heard you've been having some bad dreams. And Harry kind of sighs and shakes his head. That, I, I totally bought that that was a 12-year-old there. And, yeah, I mean, you know what? I'm 27. Sometimes I act like I'm 15. Sometimes I act like I'm 5. Sometimes I'm, I act like I'm 80. I mean, you, people aren't bound yeah. by their age. I mean, Cody, you're you're many years younger than me, but you're, you, you know, more, you know, you, together on this podcast than I am half the time. I mean, you know what I mean? It was interesting in these chapters is I really felt pulled into it as though Harry were younger than he was. Well, just kind of, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not a proponent of people being judged by age, obviously, but I, I, as, as I said, I think that he's kind of like intellectually 30, but emotionally like, but he's, he's emotionally the level he is in his body kind of, which I think is kind of why it works a little bit mm. better than it normally would because he emotionally fits into that age role. Maybe not um, intellectually, maybe not in what he knows, but in how he feels, I think he does fit in in, in, in some ways, not all, into that age role. Yeah. No, I, I, I do. I definitely... We sort of talked about that last week, about how especially with the, the dynamic between Harry and Ginny, how Harry was sort of stunted when Ginny died. 
We discussed that last week, how she was 16 when she died, and so that part of him where he has romantic feelings and things like that died then. And so it's like you have someone who has the memories of a 30-year-old in an 11-year-old's body, but emotionally they sort of gave up on a lot of their feelings at 16 or 17. Well, yeah, and let me even say this. I mean, Jen, you're, you're... You know, a married woman, and, and and as is Meg, and Meg has young children. You're both adults. You're 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 grown ups. You're you've reached you know that phase of your life. How often are you, are you around your parents when you feel like you're you feel like you're ten again? <laughs> Every day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how odd? Like, okay, Harry just got beat. Okay, now Harry, say you're one of those people that believes Harry is 31 years old. You just got almost beat to death by Vernon Dursley. You're going to be right back. You know, in that. Emotionally in that state, yeah. Yeah, I mean, saying someone's 31. That's what confused me because he seems so smart and so together and everything. And then, and then that happened. And I was like, wait, what happened? Where's the 30 year old? Like, who would let themselves be beaten like that? Like a kid. Like, I didn't understand why on some things he's so mature. And like, my problem isn't with Harry, it's with how everyone else is like, oh, he's just really exceptional, but they don't really say anything. But well, I, what are they going to say? I mean, what are you going to say? Are you a soul from another time? I mean, no, you can't really say I think, anything. But I mean, at the same time, really I think it's appropriate how they've how they've handled the um, le, um whatever the yeah, thank you with <laughs> with Snape and um and I like that, but like he is like doing like obliviate spells and things and no one is saying anything like i would at least like have like the teachers like test him for what he knows do you like i would even understand like private lessons outside of the classroom because obviously he knows a lot more than his grade level is i find that believable though because hermione is exactly the same way in canon she knows a lot of spells that are beyond her with age level. And Jen, I, I think and- in the public school, they don't, unless you have a parent <laughs> who is going to, okay, let me just say this. I have a good friend. She's 12. She is in like BC calculus and physics C, and she's a genius. But she's in those classes because her mother is feared by every school administration for a 20-mile radius. I know. And, like, she goes to the office, and she's like, you were going to put my daughter in this class, or I'm going to be here every morning to tell you to put my daughter in this class, you know? But if you don't have a parent like that, your kid's not, they're not going to just, of their own accord, say, oh, let's test this kid and put them in a higher grade, you know? But they should. I'm just saying that schools generally wouldn't take an initiative to, like, Hogwarts is probably a little different, though. Like, I I wasn't comparing Hogwarts to bad public schools. (laughs) Jen, you brought up the point, too, that why isn't anyone, you know, picking up at the fact that Harry's using the Obliviate spell? Uh, they don't remember it. I'm playing here all week, folks. Jen, you two take it away. I was just saying, I had a teacher um, my sophomore year of high school. Um, she made an assignment. You had to do um, a box about you. Uh, you had to, like, write... Um, a whole bunch of stuff like on your family and then there was an option of you could write like a novel or what you could write like a short story or whatever and you know she said at least three pages so I turned in this box that was me and my story was actually like 35 pages long that was my I wrote a I wrote a Robin Hood story to to demonstrate like what I could do and I actually got points docked because my story was too long yeah she said that 
she actually she got in front of the whole class and said, oh, obviously Katie overdid it again. And, like, laughed about it in front of the whole class. Are you mm-hmm. serious? I'm serious. I would have had Snape fired. What a... And I was in tears. You love Snape and he would have done that to Hermione. Yeah, her. that is just called bad <laughs> teaching. That's yeah, horrible. Okay, I'm just sorry. This is just and kind I of a little pee thing that I wrote down. I really... It felt, felt really out of, like out of character for Snape to do this line where it's like, I'd be doing you a favor if I snapped this. There are many with far less tolerance than I. And I just feel like that's really out of character for Snape. It might just be in this timeline, but like snapping like that, I feel, and just not, unless that's not this the subtle. Was Snape. Before seven came out, right? Yeah. So well, I was, was after she- six and before seven, right? But even, <laughs> if he's, no, even if he's he evil, he wouldn't have been that out, outright about it. Even if he's evil, he's subtle evil. He's not like, you know. Well, maybe he's like a Dumbledore fangirl or fanboy. And so <laughs> no, I have a theory on but this. But at the same time, oh, I have a theory on this. Oh, my God. I'm going to have Snape as a Dumbledore fan. Okay. I have a theory on. on this. Take Snape from year one, okay? Lock him in the room, all right? Stick him in there with 15 screaming toddlers and one oh episode of Barney and leave him in there for a week and a half. And take him out and see what he does. Because seriously, he's been trying to break into Harry's mind for a year, and he can't get in. So oh, my like, God. So he does toddlers. the thing where he backs up, and then he charges at him, and, like, he still can't get in, and then he, like, tries to get the battering ram, and he, like, flips over him, and, like, he's stuck in the closet with his head in the mop bucket. Like, this is Snape literally sleep-deprived, you know, with, like, like I can buy into the fact that he's a little, you know, he, he, yeah. his tidy whities are a little bit of a knot. I, from the author's point of view, I understand the extra the vilifying of Snape because after Half-Blood Prince came out and it was the big question of where Snape's loyalty lied, a lot of people wanted to put something in their fix that was like, he's bad, he's yeah. good. I didn't have you a know, problem. And draw a line. In this. So I don't, I think that that's actually very believable. I mean, obviously, now that we have Deathly Hallows, we know that Snape would never have threatened to snap Harry's wand in half because that would be pointless to what he was trying to do, but this Snape is obviously not on that same path, so yeah, I think it I makes perfect sense. I think it's fair. Sense. I think it's a fair it's a fair <laughs> fan fiction line. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I yeah, agree, I and I like it. I like it when people take the Snape character and and say he's evil in this fic. And here's yeah. why. Good at, or he's good in this fic, and here's why. As long as there's supporting evidence as to why he I is mean, the way he is. Yeah, I'm it was harsh and horrible, but but I didn't think it was oh, crossing the line, really. I just felt like it was one of those things that it could have been the teacher against the student. You know, it wasn't this big, elaborate, like he waited till the classroom was empty. You know what I mean? It could have been so much more like a slap in the face. Yeah, but the way and that so story is intended, I mean, that's basically like a teacher yeah. calling you, I mean, that's... Well, in a way, it felt subtle, I guess, because of the environment. I guess. That I could, but like, I mean, that. if any teacher called student, I mean, like, if someone actually called someone that, and I mean, like, if it was an equivalent, like, slur, and even if it wasn't in a public setting, they could totally get fired for that. I'm sorry. But I think its purpose was also to show Hermione's matureness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing we're talking Maturity. about. Is this something that Snape would do? This is a Snape unlike the Snape that we know 
And, yeah. and, and unlike other fics, this isn't like we're taking, you know, sixth year Snape and saying, mm, okay, is, you know, in this fic that replaces Deathly Hallows with he do X, Y, and Z, you have those six years to kind of define him. This is a Snape that we've known for, you know, a day and a half. Or, uh, you know, that's embellishing. He's a Snape that we've known for a year. But from day one, he's been pissed off that he can't get in Harry's mind. He doesn't know what's going on. He's trying to probably get into... He's reading Hermione's thoughts. She doesn't know anything. He's frustrated. And he's blowing his top. He's making mistakes. I mean, that I, I think that's perfectly acceptable for, you know, what we know of him. I don't think that's a far cry from Canon Snape, to be honest with you. I mean, he was pretty cruel to Hermione on many occasions. That's what I was thinking. In canon. Like, it's <laughs> I don't think it's really that far off. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I would it, just, it just seemed like very overt to me, but I guess it's just hard for me reading the kind of fics I normally read, to have him entirely one-dimensional as, as he seems to be to this point. Yeah, because you're, you're like a year like none other. Well, I mean, I'm not I just saying that. I, I like, disagree with that. I don't think he seems one-dimensional at all. I think he, he just seems like he's just evil trying to get into Harry's mind. That's like the only really thing we see of him. Evil trying to get into Harry's mind, possibly dealing with Lucius Malfoy. Well, but now he wants to know what's in there. It's one thing to try and poke into Harry's mind to find something, you know, annoying about him or humiliating about him that you can make fun of in class, but it's quite another thing to be denied access to something you desperately want for a year. And I can only imagine what's going to happen when they get back to Hogwarts. You know, we're at the point now in the story where the twins can do mild occulency and, and so far Ginny and Ron can't do anything. But can you imagine if, you know, they get back to school and all of a sudden all the Weasleys can block him? He's going to go absolutely ballistic. But what can yeah. he, he can't mm-hmm. prove anything. That's a thing. If he can't, like, you oh, know, yeah. prove. I mean, yeah, he can't prove anything. But um, it was like the, <sighs> the sequel series to Babylon 5. There is a telepath on the ship. Telepath. And he's a human telepath. And there's rules saying that human telepaths can serve in the military now, but they can't read minds. They can't read each other's minds. Is this Blonde Lady? No, this is actually the sequel series. This is the oh, never mind. And um, he, he's, he's walking around, and he, there's another telepath on the ship, and he is the guy who's there checking. He's like the telepath supervisor, and he's there to make sure that all the other telepaths are following the rules. Meanwhile, the supervisor is reading everyone's thoughts. The supervisor is breaking the rules. Who the watches guy, the watchers? Yes, and the guy there being supervised knows it, so he... he he doesn't know what to do, and he doesn't know a way that it's my word against his. So what he does is they get one of the one of the characters in the show, and they have her get into an elevator with the supervisor, and they have her think the bomb is going off in five minutes, the bomb is going off in five minutes, the bomb is going off in four minutes, the bomb is going off in three minutes, and he comes flying out screaming, "The bomb! The bomb! The bomb! What bomb? Oh, the!" B-. And then he gets caught saying that you know I was reading her mind, and she said there was a bomb. But I mean, that's why the hell did I just tell that story? Snape, Occlumency. Yeah, he's not. Legitimacy. He's not going to, you know, come out screaming that, you know, I've been trying to get into their minds for a month, for a year and a half, but it's going to absolutely drive Snape crazy. And the interesting question from the plot perspective is what will that drive him to do? Mm-hmm. Just kind of, I want to jump into the chapter slightly before my computer utterly dives, but um, I just didn't, did, did anyone feel like the Peter thing was slightly forced? Yes. I'm sorry. I was just reading that and it's like, oh, a rat. It must be scabbers. I yeah, mean, there's only one freaking rat in the world. Well, you know what? It seems. And so that just seemed kind of like. Uh, I kind well, of like. I kind of forgotten it, though. I mean, it's a big point. Yeah. But well, I'm not really, flawed. I think like the was, way it was handled, it was go... like a minute after Harry's like, oh, yeah, he's missing a finger. Arthur's going to have a photographic memory and like noted that, like. Like, oh, it must be the rat that lives in our house. And, like, he didn't even think about it. He's like, oh, the traitor living under our roof. He just kind of, like, acknowledged it automatically and just kind of seemed very forced to me. Uh, I don't know. I can see why they did it. 
why Viridian did it that way. I think it's a little bit of damned if he did, damned if he didn't. I think if he didn't do it that way, we'd be complaining that he's leaving this big open plot point. No, but I think what he could have done is, like, have it come home and then, like, have it... Maybe he'll, like, have him mention it in front of Ron and then have Ron just, like, look at Scabbers, like, right in front of him and be like, oh, but just have it... Like, Scabbers isn't yeah. even there. It's just kind of like yeah. Arthur's, like, the light bulb. Oh, it's, you know... I, kind of I'll say this. I thought that Harry bringing up the dream to Dumbledore was brilliant writing. I think that the way in yeah. which that whole, how that whole that part was really came nice. up, Harry's argument with Dumbledore over, you know, how dare you, you know, not do anything. It's been two months, you know, and Harry turning against Dumbledore. That was very well handled. The part about Arthur putting two and two together and then, you know, Kingsley walks up into the room and shoots Scabbers and then, you know, has him glow it's red. It happened so fast. I was just like, whoa, wait, what? what? It, you it, know? it felt like chapters one through seven. It felt like going down the checklist, we've got the rats, you know, Sirius will be free, ticker tape parade. It, it did feel yeah. like that. Very good. It's interesting to see Harry interacting with Dumbledore on the level of he is, like, he's, he's angry that Dumbledore is manipulating him, and yet if he recognizes the fact that he's kind of become a Dumbledore to Ron and Hermione, yeah. he, he has good intentions, you know. I, I, I do think Dumbledore had good intentions, but it's like, Dumbledore is to Harry as, you know, it's like that kind of thing. Yeah. Where Dumb- he's becoming the Dumbledore for them. And it's I'm not sure if he realizes that yet. He realizes the parallel yet, but that was just something I was thinking of. I wanted to make a point, though, about what you were saying about Scabbers. Because what I find interesting about that, and I do agree with you that some of it feels um, a little forced. Although I also agree with Ryan that I'm, I'm not sure how he could have handled it that much better. I feel like either way it would have felt a little forced but what i find interesting is that we watch him go through the his first year at hogwarts and it sort of plays very closely to the timeline that we already are familiar with but as he's doing more and more things like having them discover peter pettigrew and things like that it be it's really pulling away from that original timeline and so things are going to start playing drastically differently as opposed to just slightly differently. Yeah. And they won't be as close to the well as to the books as we remember. So the author is going to have to really start coming up with more and different reactions as it goes along and as I read the fic, especially the first time, I found that fascinating and why I started to enjoy it more and more. Cuz there's all new ways to deal with these different things it's that come up. Tr- well, it's tr- even though they're similar. Well, the thing that's in, uh, very that exciting, sense. yeah, the, the thing that's really exciting from from a reading standpoint is like if you love AU, you love different variations. You love, you know, it's, you love the changed world. You love seeing different ways it could happen because the story starts out in year one versus year seven or six. And it's or, really nice when you get a seven year thing that it's like the entire thing rewritten. Yeah. So now we get to see. All right. Okay, like, I, no, no, you're exactly right. Like, I'm sitting in the Ministry of Magic, and it's right when they say someone's challenging. The, um, the the adoption, I sit up because now I'm thinking, okay, I, where is he going with this? Is he going to you know actually put Harry with, um, w- w- with the Malfoys? I didn't think he put him with the Diggories, but then that was an interesting idea that, you know, Dumbledore is stepping in there. Why is Dumbledore trying to keep him from the Weasley so much? And it brought up this new di- dynamic that when uh, Amelia Bones says, I'm, I'm going with the first petition, meaning Arthur, because he filed first, I was thinking in my mind, the first petition 
Lucius because Lucius spoke first. So I was like, oh my god, like it was actually very interesting. So I'm at the point now where I'm where we're getting away from the plot a little bit of you know 30 year old Harry going back, blah 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 blah, and now we're into a plot line of I don't know what's going to happen. It's a second year fic, and I don't know what's going to happen. So mm-hmm. that that to me is very interesting. Well, I, I, I'm not again. I'm not trying to be like incredibly critical. I'm really sorry, Viridian, but um, I feel like. <laughs> There's so many things that I feel are somewhat cliche in this story. I mean, like, not cliche in that I feel like I've read them. I've read a lot of, I read a lot of fan fiction later in last summer. I feel like I've read a lot of scenes, these things a lot of times before. Harry gets adopted by the Weasleys. Harry gets Sirius out of prison. You know, I feel like I'm not seeing that much that I feel is, like, unexpected. Or I feel like a lot of it's just kind of like things that have been done a lot of times. Well, but I also think that that's an argument as this is a go back in time and redo things. I mean, there's going to be a lot of repetitious plot line, you know? Well, he's talking about repetitious in particular in the fan fiction world. I think that that's something that you run into. I don't think there's an original thought in the Harry Potter fandom anymore. I really don't. I don't. I think that it's kind of um, it's kind of a, a, a it's variations uh, on the same theme. Right, it's variation on the same you know, thing. You I know? think that's really. I think that is not. I I don't think that's a fair statement to make. Well, because, I think you know if you're doing certain types of stories, you're going to run into certain things. Like if you're doing it, Harry goes back and redoes something. You're going to do something that somebody else has done before. It's just it's going to be your take on it. You know, it's not. I'm not saying that all fan fiction is unoriginal because that's not the case. I certainly think there's several original facets to this, you know. No matter what you're doing, you're, you know, at some point in time you're going to do a theme or a situation that somebody else has done before. It's just a matter of how do you do it so that it's your interpretation of it. And in that, I don't feel like this, I think the whole concept of this fake is original. I don't think that there's a lot of, here goes back in time and decides to do things differently and changes the timeline and and it's the same story i mean it's a completely original story yeah and just in fairness too uh cody had to step away for a moment to charge her computer so it's not like we turned her mic off or anything um (laughs) enough of you but you know when you when you think about like if you read you know au stories and you read you know retellings of the seven year stories you're going to hit the same themes over because what harry would go back in time that wouldn't try and free Sirius or wouldn't want to live with the weasleys i mean that those are going to be common themes it's interesting because when i read fan fiction the one thing i look for is original like i could read a 40 chapter fic and there's one original thought in there and that's all i'll remember when the fic's over like for example a year like none other in the early chapters of a year like none other um aspen presents us with with the possibility that if anything happened to Petunia, who is the holder of the... She's the keeper of the blood sacrifice, so to speak. Dudley will then inherit that. Dudley will then be his mother's blood, because Dudley has Petunia's Well, not inherit it, but he'll be the last remaining... Well, he'll... He'll inherit the mantle of, you know, the person who is in control of the blood sacrifice, essentially, because Petunia obviously would be a much stronger match to Harry. I want to make a point about that that just came to me. Yeah, but... Exactly. I mean, that was an original thought to me. I never had considered that before. Mm. And what I think this story does very well is, yes, it tells, it retells the story, but it also tackles the ethical issues, which I think, you know, if it didn't do that, I think Harry would be, would be a yeah, cartoon character. I think that's one fair. Um, Jen, you know, these yeah. kind of fix as far as we're, we you know when we read a year like none other, we read a Snape adopting Harry fix. We're reading this kind of AU fic right now. 
there are a lot of fics like this. There are, I mean, there are many fics where Harry goes back in time to try to change things, and there are a lot of fics where Snape adopts Harry. But we're reading, really, I believe, the cream of the crop as far as those kind of fics go. They're by authors who write them very well, and their ideas are as original as they can be within that sort of, like, sub-fandom of fic. Yeah. Right. It's like saying... Because I write, you know, Harry Jenny, certain things, I mean, I have to do things that uh, other people have done a thousand and one times before. Like, if you go back and read read the stuff that I was writing when I was Cody's age, for the love of God. Like, seriously, it's the same thing that everybody was writing at that time period. But the, the thing that makes a good fanfic is that you can you can do some of the same things that everybody else has done before and make them memorable and new and exciting. And... The things that are going to make them new and exciting are going to be different from reader to reader to reader. Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just don't understand how we could say that this is a repetition of fan fiction because we've read so many similar to it based on the fact that this is a repetitious story of canon. Yeah. Well, I think that it's a fair point. I think it's a point that you should expect. I mean, I, I read a lot of canon fics, and... You know, the the one scene that you know really makes my blood boil is is pig headed Ron. It's the Ron mm-hmm. who, you know, when you know, Harry and Ginny Potter announce their you know, that Ginny is pregnant with with the young married couple's first child, Ron walks over and punches Harry for for sleeping with his sister. Like that like that like <laughs> that stupid I'm sorry, well Meg, I haven't seen you in a while. It's okay, let me vent. You know, that that, that behavior on the on, on behalf of Ron <laughs> annoys me. And it happens over and over because I keep reading the same damn thing over and over but again. But that's so not Ron's fault. Ron would never do that. <laughs> that's not a real that's not a real I'm sorry, but that characterization is wrong. Right, I'm Meg. sorry. There, there, all right, Meg. All right, Meg. Here's a cookie. Here's a cookie. I, that, like in chapter 13, I even wrote this in my notes. I thought the level of depth that Viridian gives the characters, like I felt like 13 was like the chapter of, of character depth. Well, let's talk then. What specifically happened that really? Well, it's like it's like it's almost in Hermione's point of view, but it's not because we get to hear like Hermione's thoughts and like how she thinks, and like I liked that that she recognizes that although Ron isn't as book smart as she is or as, you know, smart as Harry, like he has a good quality. His quality is loyalty and that she even acknowledges that he has a depth to him that originally, like if you just look at the surface of Ron, you don't get, but like when he says, like he makes the comment about something like taking up for the Griff, you know, you got to take up for your own, that kind of thing. Gryffindors look out for Gryffindors or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And like, she acknowledges that, you know, he's got a lot more depth to him. And I thought that was very insightful on her part. Mm. And it made me think like, like it was things like that, that made me go, well, okay, this is why she would never fall for Harry because she does see something in Ron, something special that she obviously saw in the previous timeline. Well, it's something mm-hmm. that we we brought up last week, and I know she brought it up again earlier tonight. In the story, karma really kicks these characters in the butt, and no matter what Harry <laughs> tries to do, things kind of work out. I mean, is Hermione always destined to be with Ron? Is Ginny always destined to fall for Harry? Maybe there's some things he can't change. Maybe the Weasleys will always love him. Maybe there's no way he can change that, because no matter if he forgets to meet Molly the first time, Ron will tell her you know, the story about the cupboard, and that will have the same impact on her. I mean, there's... I'm I'm wondering that just reading this, but yeah, I I just want to comment on that chapter. What I loved about that chapter was the vulnerability in Hermione, where 
you know, everyone's blame, every, you know, it, it's everyone else's turn to blame themselves. You've read about Harry blaming himself for years. No one checked, we didn't check on him soon enough. You know, if, if only I hadn't said, let's wait till Friday. And, you know, thank God the twins and Ron went to look for him. And, you know, Hermione told them not to worry about it. And Molly should have listened to Ron. Everyone's questioning themselves. And, you know, Hermione writes the letter to Ron saying, you were right. Now think about this. This is Hermione Granger. Hermione. Yeah. Hermione Granger. You were right. I was wrong. She writes that in a letter, like in writing, signs it, everything. She writes in a letter to Ron, you were right, I was wrong. And, you know, she you know doesn't eat for like a week and a half and is petrified for his response. And when he writes back to her, you know, she's complete, you know, she feels like the weight lifted off her chest when Ron's response is, I don't blame you. You were more right than we were. You know, I didn't go either. You know, it was Jenny who, you know, was the one who got me to go. You know, don't blame yourself. And, I mean, I thought that was a great moment because, yeah, you know, I love hearing that Hermione, or just her way of looking at the world. I love how she adds up the amount of time the girl in school spends on makeup and figures out how many different times. She could have read War and Peace in that time. The know, original translation. The original translation. It's like, that's her <laughs> like, uh, yeah. like, Well, of course hygiene is important, but there's no reason it should take possibly that long. Or she goes to the library with her father, which is a common occurrence in the Granger household. I love hearing that <laughs> Hermione's father is the one who has bushy hair in his head. I mean, like, there, there was just, a, there was enough realism in that scene to really make me feel like we're dealing with, with the same 12-year-old girl that we've known, but also that there's new, there, there's new things happening with her. And, you know, for all the talk of the fact that the old Hermione is dead and now may have never existed, we have a new Hermione who, based on Harry, is able to say at 12, you were right, I was wrong. And is that a manipulation caused by Harry? Yeah. Is it a negative one? I don't think so, but he definitely rolled the dice with that. But let's even talk about that. Just like the over, because I don't think we're going to go through, you know, scene by scene, but what do you, what, what's everyone's thoughts on these chapters plot wise? I mean, what I love particularly is that we get, you get Ginny's perspective. We get Hermione's perspective. We get a lot of Molly. I really enjoy the way that he writes Molly. There was one issue that I had that, that not an issue with the story, but an issue with, I want to make it very clear that when I have issues with this story, it's with a character doing something and not Viridian's, story. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I'm hacked that characters do certain things. But you think it's and, well written, but the characters are bone Right. Right. Thank you. Yes. And, like, something that really irked me was Harry's insisting upon paying for his stay with the Weasleys, because my, my problem is, I, I, I think it was fine for him to pay for, like, the extra um, protection and the you know, Jenny's wand for birthday present, whatever, because those are gifts. But him, like, paying rent each week, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, that's not, that's not, that's not a legal guardian. Yeah. Right. That's, that's him. And that also gives, what I didn't like about it was it gives him a position of power in the family that he doesn't right. have to be told what to do because, well, he pays for his living. And, like, I thought that a 12 year old Harry wouldn't do we that. never thought that, yeah. And and yes, he's more mature and stuff, but that irked the crap out of me. He, wi- he wipes his mouth after breakfast. Here, Molly, this is for you. What's a well, he's in her so, hand. Yeah, well, he's so pushy with the money. It's almost like he's ungrateful. Like he absolutely does right. not want to be taken care of. When, in fact, that's what we're supposed to believe him to want. 
Yeah, contrast it to um, – I was thinking of a scene that um, Melinda actually wrote in um, Power of Emotion. It was an early scene um, in that – I remember they're at Grimmauld Place, and it's sixth year, and they're having a party. I think it's Ginny's birthday party, or it's Christmas, or I forget what it is. And Harry just inherited um, the Black family vault. He inherited all of Sirius's money. And I can't remember the plot point, but there's he either splits it with Remus and in himself. With, I forget what happened. I think it's split between Remus and Harry. I think is what happens. And Harry signs over all of the the money to the Weasleys. And there's this emotional scene where they walk up to Harry. And I think they have like their bank statement in their hand, saying, you know, w- w- what is this? He says, No, I am giving this to you. You have been more of a family to me than anyone. I don't care about the money. He would want you to have it. I am not taking no for an answer. And it's more of a, you know, you are being given this for what you have done for me. You're not for who I am, but how, you know, you thought, I'm saying this very poorly. You treated me like I was a person, not based on the fact that I was Harry Potter, the boy who lived, but because I was a young kid that you could help. And for your, you know, generosity and for being good people, I give you this. It was one of those things. Whereas, yeah, you know, if he keeps insisting on giving her food money every week, it's like, you know, hey, Molly, you know, if, if you don't yell at me this week, there's an extra five gallons there for you. I don't think he would intend it that way, but it seems, <laughs> well, yeah. I didn't necessarily mean it that way. No, I know, but it's, yeah, it, I don't think, I think either Harry would say, I'm giving you my whole damn vault, do whatever the hell you want with it, beat me if you want, well, not beat me. Right. But, you know, do whatever you want with me. I'm your kid. I'm always going to be your kid, but this is, you know, you know, if you want, maybe I'll pay Hogwarts for all the kids or I'll buy you a new Jeep or something, but, you know, I'm doing this now and no future action, you know, on your part is is beholden to this gift. I mean, yeah, I mean, that could have probably been a little bit done better. I'll give you that. That was my main thing with the plot. Like, I kept just getting held up on... But I liked where the story was going. I like that, you know, Harry's taking charge and he's making the kids, like, work out and, like... I mean, it's obvious that he's definitely trying to change things this time. I mean, he's not just sitting back and getting into the relaxing way of things like, Oh, things will sort out and I'll get on the go. Like in a couple of years when it's actually relevant, like he's like, you can tell like he's definitely not going to let things happen the same way that they did. Oh, I actually have a question. I just thought of something. Does anyone think it's weird that, um, that Kingsley introduced himself to Molly considering they used to be in the order together or were they not in the order together? I don't think that he was. Wait, no, hold on. I'm actually thinking, I'm, I'm remembering a Pottercast episode. I thought he was in the original. My thing was that he compared himself to Samuel L. Jackson. Like, <laughs> I we're supposed to know who that was. That was so dorky, but I loved it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I always, I always picture in my head Samuel L. Jackson when I think of Kingsley, which is... So do I, I but... <laughs> I was so disappointed that they didn't get him for... I know. Well, he's American, right? I want to keep oh, watching... That's right. I wanna keep like he's American, they couldn't hire him. Maybe have a couple of who, so, so, talk. <laughs> the guy who was Kingsley was really good. That little line he had about Dumbledore having style, I thought that was great. <laughs> he's got style. stuff. Yeah. I'm Jan and I'm from Bar Hall. But, um. <laughs> I love Karen. <laughs> Can I just ask, what is a threadbare? What? It's threadbare? A, and Harry it, put on his threadbare. It means it's it so a, warm there's like. You can almost see through it, threadbare. Right. Yeah. It, so it's, it's like, like a, a sweater? piece of cloth. Any kind of cloth. Any kind of clothing or a blanket or something. Oh, really? So okay, hard. good. I've learned vocabulary today. I <sighs> never... I, so I, I was like, what does that mean? Okay, here's... <laughs> it's a usually like an adjective, like, a, if so, threadbare. 
here's what I have written, <laughs> and y'all may cringe. I wrote, now that Harry is family. Okay, you know how friend George bring up the point that now that Harry and Jenny are now siblings, sort of, Weird. that it might it's a still scary. legal. These kids are <laughs> not being given a chance. <laughs> First he's too old, then he's his one. brother. No. Harry okay, wait, can... oh, wait, let, let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. My thing is, is I want to know how, because I've thought about this both ways. Because, okay, and with Viridian, I'm, I'm asking this to you because, really, because I was contemplating it earlier. Um. How did you argue with yourself? Did you think, okay, I can definitely have it where Harry doesn't become family with the Weasleys and then him and Jenny get together and it's great and perfect, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, you would be like, why didn't the Weasleys adopt? Like, we'd be going, why don't the the Weasleys just take him in? Versus they take him in, he's raised a sibling, sort of, because he pays rent and, like, <laughs> he's totally different. Harry's <laughs> filing his income taxes. No, Arthur and Molly are filing their income taxes, and they're claiming it is rental income. It's like... Oh. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, is well, that how you went? Is that... Was that his choice? Like, the money? Did that have to do with the fact that they're... That to, to make them not seem... As sibling-like? So. No, no, no. I mean, I think you don't think help so? out. Canon think- Harry, Canon <laughs> Harry was always described as Molly as one of my own. He still sleeps with her daughter. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. And that's feels probably no guilt over it. <laughs> <laughs> I still think it's okay. I mean, I don't think he'll feel any guilt. I mean, well, he still doesn't really feel guilt. It's almost like cruel intentions. No, not cruel intentions. What's that movie with um, Michelle Geller and uh, the hot guy, and they go to the private school, and their stepbrother and stepsister, and there's like all that like tension and cruel intentions. I have a question. Has anyone actually looked at the at the pure blood family tree? Have you? Uh, No. Yes. Okay. Everyone, you at home too in Listenerland. Google Molly Weasley. And the first thing that's going to come up is the Weasley family Wikipedia, all right? Okay, yes. Now, scroll down to family tree, all right? Uh, Everyone find Arthur Weasley, okay? So cute. Okay. Wait, the picture or the square? Oh, I know. The square, Jen. Oh, because Mark Williams is a door. Okay, sorry. Okay, we have Arthur and we have Molly, right? Mm -hmm. See that little line between them? That means means married. That, that means, means married. That means they've seen each other naked. You know what I mean? That, that, that little line right there? Okay. <laughs> now, let's... Now, come, they've got seven kids, well, right? <laughs> so it's not seven like kids. that was like a That's fluke. A you know what I'm saying? This is like a long-standing thing, okay? Well, he now, did say he sometimes talks like a 15-year-old. So you're trying to tell us that they like to see each other naked. Is what you're one saying. would certainly <laughs> think. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Now, Gross. if it's like you thinking about your parents. Now, if you look at this, go up to their parents' level. So go up one level on the family tree, okay? Cinderella. Oh, Cedrilla Black. Okay. See. Okay. Arthur's got oh, the black. Oh, it's just like a. Oh, that's weird. Okay. See that? Now, oh. look, now, now go up. Now go up on Molly's. See how we got okay. the female Pruitt, Why female Why they name their kids female and male? Pruitt. Oh. No, that's not their name. Oh, you're right. <laughs> but Molly and okay, we got that. Now go up to the grandparents' level. Do you see how it's the same box? 
Are we looking at the Black Family one yes. now? Molly. Okay. This isn't a surprise, though. Molly. Really. But that's the thing. Molly and Arthur, their grandparents. <laughs> their <cousins>. are, yes. <laughs> They're like second cousins. Well, that's allowed in Jane Austen's world. It can be allowed that's in the Wizard. Honestly, world. second cousins. Well, obviously, if you're pure blooding, it's okay. allowed if you're in the United ab- States. Right, exactly. Explain George now a little bit. <laughs> okay, if you were going to have pure blood relationships and you only want your pure blooded children to marry other pure bloods, obviously you're going to have some inbreeding problems. Look at the royal family of England or Russia. Or or Russia royal families or over there. They must have come up with like a wizarding way of solving the hemophilia. All I want to say, all I want to say is, her, is, is that Arthur and Molly. Are cousins, and if they can be cousins and have seven kids, Harry can date his stepsister. All I'm saying. Oh my gosh, this makes sense. That's why they both have coming red hair? hair. <laughs> 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 it makes sense why they both have red hair. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Go back. Harry's. Wait, I missed the last five minutes. Harry's dating his stepsister. I think I missed this part. Yes. Okay. Harry. Yes, Harry is now. Harry is with. Ginny's stepsister now, right? Oh, I see. I see. And Have they that, officially and, adopted him? Well, it or works in da- of- it works in living with danger. Well, they <laughs> it use. Works in danger. Well, they use the word adopt. They do use. The, he does use the okay, word adopt. So they've adopted him. They've okay. adopted him. But the fact is that, that Molly and Arthur do have the same color hair. Yes, they do. Okay. And they see each other naked, <laughs> even still. So, well, my, Ross, my, um, my, my, gene. So, I'm every, kind of a breakdown right now, because so, that was really good. Now, <laughs> when they're in bed together, does he call her cousin Molly? I'm sure he doesn't. <laughs> but you know what? Hey, I want to point out that before the podcast, Ryan told me, he said, she... You have to be very careful because we have Cody on and we can't have an explicit podcast. I okay, I love how I listen to these podcasts. <laughs> I know, but it's like one of those things where we we have to try to say we try. Okay, I was thinking about this because you were talking about this earlier, and I'm like, I listen to every podcast. I could come in here and tell you that I don't listen to the explicit podcast. You'd all know I'd be lying, so it's kind of. I don't know. Wait, how old is Cody? I'm not listening. Cody's fifteen. You're fifteen. Oh my Love gosh, it. you're oh I'm so old. <laughs> <laughs> Jen doesn't so care for the podcast. Jen's just having a midlife crisis. Please ignore her. <laughs> but okay, okay so can this please put can the fact that Arthur and Molly are cousins please put to rest Harry dating his stepsister? <laughs> oh, it doesn't make that better. It just makes Arthur and Molly weird. <laughs> That doesn't make it better because it's incestual. What? It's not incestual. They're blood related. I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of incest. Meg just thinks. Can I just tell you? Can I just tell you for the for the season two bumper music? I'm planning to put you know quotes from the from the from the from from the um from the hosts i have a great one of jen saying i can reach my toe to the faucet i can turn on the sink with my feet which may make an appearance and 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 meg screaming for all the world to hear i don't believe in incest is also gonna make all right 
poor Viridian, he's, he got his suit on, and he's listening with his parents right now, and we're talking about incest oh, the whole God. time, like it's his fault. This has nothing to do with Viridian or the story. No, I was just saying that he, if he's going to have us covered, he has to realize at some point what this podcast is. So, you know. That's true. I'm actually looking at the pictures right now of Molly and Arthur, and I'm giggling at the hair. So yeah, I'm thinking, I love like how new all along. It was like J.K. Rowling sick joke. I just <laughs> <laughs> okay. The one thing that I, I thought the Weasleys didn't do that. I thought they didn't do the inbreeding. Yeah, I mean the one I thing they thought they were like the purebred families thought, do it. Well, they're pure. I mean, it's like oh my god, the, the Malfoys do it. It's like well, the Weasleys do too. You know, they they aren't jerks, but you know, whatever. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, Narcissa okay. and Lucius have the same color hair too. <laughs> Are you just now realizing that Sis and Lucius are probably inbreeding? Wait. Wait, who is Lucius? Wait, what did you... Lucius Lucius and Narcissa look alike. It's just like an epiphany. We pretty much knew they were related before. (laughs) That explains... (laughs) This explains so much. Oh, gosh. Harry's really the only one who has a chance. Harry's like the one rare non-inbred character in the story. This is like the most disturbing conversation we've ever had. And they're all looking at Harry like he's so smart. I wonder what's wrong with him. He's not. His mother isn't his sister. Okay, technically, if you're looking at it, James is part of the pureblood inbreeding circle. So he probably is in some way related to the Weasley. Harry and Ginny are cousins, too. <laughs> I, I feel like everyone in this community is somehow related. Hold on. Harry and Jin, well, Ginny are cousins. Lily adopted. has red hair. Yeah, Lily does have red hair. But she's a, I mean, she's that's got to mean something at this point. No, it means sure nothing. Point out that not everybody who has red hair are cousins. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Hold on. Let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. Harry and Ginny are both cousins, step-siblings, and they're likely going to sleep together in five years. And lovers. Oh, God. All right. Can we get back to the story of the Viridian Road? This is the story. <laughs> there was a story. Da, da, da. I'm still loving the fact that Jen thought they were named male and female through it. I was like, what? They all were fat. Their parents didn't love them. I love how you thought people's names were male and female. Sorry. Okay. Let's get back to the Viridian fic, shall we? Please? Yes. Right. Yes. Oh, that's right. Lily is muggle-born. Sorry. Oh, God. Thank God, Jen. Just keep repeating that in your mind. Or Meg, or whatever the hell your name is. I can't okay, remember. Okay, but how do we know that the muggle-born wasn't product of a squib? Oh, for the... the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That totally cracked me up, though. I forgot about that. Oh, God. Moving on. Okay. All right. I loved the fact that Harry was found in a pile of his own. Like, he smelled something, and he knew that he had lost control of their bodily functions in Chapter 11. Who else had to, like, go, oh, that's so gross. It was such a sad chapter, but you're reading it, and you got to be Harry going, this day can absolutely not get <laughs> And they come for him, please don't let Jenny be in the car, please don't let Jenny be in the car, please don't let Jenny be in the car. <laughs> Oh, I, liked, I liked when his wand like went under the bed and he was like, today's not my day. I have that like every day. And then he's trying to apparate himself. He's like, nope, that ain't working. But on a serious note, I do love the fact that, you know, the, the twins come and they, and they get his trunk and they put him in the car. And Ron, like we were talking earlier about Ron using, Ron having experiences different than the ones he had during the canon because of Harry's manipulation. Where 
does Ron get the glass of water? He ran to the bathroom. Why yeah. is there glass in there? They're holding. Okay, um, wasn't Harry's door locked? Wasn't Harry's? Wasn't Harry like locked yeah. in, or is that just canon? Oh, that's probably a plot. Well, yeah, that's a plot hole because they didn't actually use um, magic to open it. I mean, wouldn't it be like a Dixie cup? Well, actually, it may not be locked, because maybe Vernon just left and slammed the door shut, and Harry... I assumed he wouldn't be able to really move. Yeah, we, we broke every bone in his body. He's probably not going anywhere. But um, I love the fact that that Ron uses magic and doesn't give a damn and says, I don't care, he's my friend, i got to get him out of here. And I love the perspective of Molly when the car lands and they start screaming at... She starts screaming at her kids, and then you read it from her perspective as well. And she's like, "They're not. They're talking back to me. They never do that." And then she sees Harry in the car, and she tells the kids to go inside. And she apparates Harry the same Mungo's, and I just it's apparating. Yeah, she hates. I it. love like, that. Yeah, the, uh, I love that detail. Yeah, because we it were talking. Our discussion. Yeah, it explains yeah. our discussion during the uh, Chamber of Secrets commentary. Why are they just apparating? Because it will take them an hour and. A- <laughs> to go back and forth with all the kids if you do side along. But, um, yeah, she, it's a little detail. Molly Weasley hates side along operation. Lots of little details in these chapters. The fact that the stove is old, the fact that you can turn the stove on by, by tapping it with your wand. I mean, there's lots of little details. Like, I love the detail about the wands. The fact that the wands, you know, will shoot a couple spark. Like, Ginny got one spark out once from her, um, great aunt Pruitt's, whoever the hell it is, um, her wand. But, you know, the fact that, you know, she she has one that's fitted for her, and 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 the sparks are flying out of the thing. I think there's a lot of little details about the Wizarding World dropped into these chapters that that was really fortunate. There were some moments in the reading that I felt were kind of um, cumbersome, like when Arthur charges into the Great Hall during summer break, so there's no students around, and he charges up to Dumbledore, presumably at, at, at his normal seat at the at the staff table, and says, <laughs> "I need to speak to you right away." He manages to keep quiet until they walk all the way up to the freaking top of the tower into Dumbledore's office, and he gets offered the lemon drop. I would be screaming, Harry was beaten to death almost, like, in the middle of the room. But yeah. like, there were there were some moments which just felt kind of I awkward. had this, like, really amusing image of Dumbledore sitting at the head of the hall with no one in the entire room, like, eating his whatever. His <laughs> Cheerios. <laughs> He's got the milk. Milk <laughs> dripping down in there. get the image of, like, Matilda, where she, like, has the milk and the Cheerios, like, going into the bowl of their own accord. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> that was a good movie. I like that. I, did. I love the book, Matilda. I think it's the cutest movie. It's a really good movie. Well, I love how they have short kids, and it's Danny DeVito and his real-life wife, and neither of them gets up (laughs) over the counter, so I thought that was great. But, um... Oh, I wanted to just bring something up while we're kind of talking about amusing things. I laughed so hard. I'm just going to read this part. Harry's smile widens in embarrassment as he's talking to Kingsley. He needs to redirect the man's curiosity. Sorry, you are reminding me of this muggle actor. Kingsley... (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Samuel L. Jackson. Don't worry, I consider it a compliment. He's not a bad-looking bloke. Yeah, it's just... It's, like, so random. I'm like, oh, hello. It's random product placement. But, yeah, we were saying this earlier. I know you... you... We saw Samuel L. Jackson in New York. We, we saw... Just... You know what? Well, hold I on. I saw the girl... Oh, yeah, that's true. Did you really? <laughs> I did. You really? I she's like... Great, but I was like, if Jen can do it, I can do it. <laughs> you realize she's like 18 now and doesn't look like that anymore. But um, yeah, we did. We went, Jen. I walked you by the wax museum and you saw a wax replica of Samuel L. Jackson. Come on. Hey, it's the same thing, buddy. Uh, oh God. Without, I with see. The, I saw the real Matilda with the confetti. With, with the confetti. I did see point. real Wilson though. You saw Wilson? Yes, you know this. This isn't new. I don't remember this. From House. 
Oh, okay. I thought you meant home improvement. I'm like, how could you tell? I was like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I saw the guy that no one knows what he looks like. Home improvement died. He did die. Oh, Long time ago. God, how do you know that? I That's don't know, but she's really dead. bringing me down here. Wilson dead. <laughs> He's not dead. Teddy Roosevelt dead. You guys need to did watch really more. Did really die? I love home improvement. Yeah, he died. Oh, yeah, so I just watched the True Hollywood it. story on that a couple weeks ago. You know who else died? The the, the little boy from Mary Poppins. Who did Madeline Langle? Madeline Langle died a few few yeah, months he, ago. Yeah, he died in the mid seventies. The the boy from oh. um from Mary Poppins died. Awful. That's awful. I'm depressed. And Madeline Langle died. Are you serious? Who died? Madeline oh, Langle died a few died? months ago. She died, and I didn't tell her that she changed my life. <laughs> she died like five months ago. Or oh, something. gee, you could have oh. saved her. You know who else died? The guy from Are You Being Served? The British show. Very sad. Oh, okay. Now that we're finished um, <laughs> announcing... Why does no one care when my thing comes up? Like, <laughs> I don't know who that is. I don't watch that show. Does anyone here watch Are You Being Served, a British show? No. Uh, every once in a while on BBC. Mr. Humphrey's hey, died. I got introduced to Archie Bunker this weekend. I'm doing pretty good on pop culture. Oh, God. We showed Jen, We brought Jen <laughs> and Mike up to speed on All in the Family. It was wonderful. <laughs> Jen can now speak like Edith. She is the wife, right? Oh, yes. For the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was funny because 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 Jen just watched um she's just watched all seven seasons of Gilmore Girls and I'm trying to I'm trying oh to explain to Jen how Gloria and I'm Babette are the so same person. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> I know. I'm like I re- um. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I just have to seven season of Gilmore Girls drove me up a wall. The seven like season. I was literally watching it and I'm like, just give them a break. Come on. Yeah, the seventh season wasn't. Good. <laughs> well, uh, for Rydian's fic. Rydian's fic. All right. <laughs> My favorite line from the fake was, is there something wrong with your wand, Harry? <laughs> <laughs> Who says it? Ginny. Oh, no. Yeah, I actually saw that, too. I took, like, 15 minutes to crack up at that part. Well, I love the fact that during the... my well, Like, I thought the whole thing with the trial was great. I love his, you know... I thought it was... You know what it is? It's, like, it's something that she said during the, um... During the Order of the Phoenix commentary. The scene where you see, um... Professor Trelawney, who's usually you laugh when she trips over things. When you see her tripping over things, you cry because she's just been booted out of Hogwarts. So you feel sorry for her. You know, usually you see Arthur Weasley almost as a comic relief type character. Just with like, you know, his bumbling. He just, you know, he's amusing. He wants to know, you know, what the purpose of a rubber duck is and all that stuff. You know, to see Lucius Malfoy, you know, on the verge of taking Harry and to see, you know, Amos Diggory there, you know, as Dumbledore's plant to, you know, subvert Harry's wishes. And you see Arthur trying to desperately scribble on a pad of paper because he has absolutely nothing planned. And it just, like, I thought that, I thought the whole scene, you know, just in the ministry was very well done. But my favorite moment has to be the fact that, you know, Harry's sitting there trying to figure out what's going to go on. He's like, well, you know, if they give me the Malfoys, I can just avala cadaver them and then ask Madame Bones to choose again. I mean, I, I guess I, could, I thought that, I just, cause you're sitting there and you're like, what? Are you, are you serious? Well, no, it's, it's the moment where, um, he's sitting with the goblin and he's basically like, he's like, Cruciatus first. Yes. He, Did anybody else have like a moment of, huh? Yes. Like, but then you realize why he said it, and you're like, okay. Oh, okay. Now I'm yeah. like, yeah. but you're sitting here, and you're like, all I can picture is they're never going to let me get past this moment in the podcast, because they're going to be like, you see? You see? Different Harry. But it turns out he was just he was just playing with their minds right there, but it, it, it was nerve-wracking for a few moments. There was another moment, too. It was something that Ginny called Harry on, and then he said, I was just bluffing. It, it was when he told Dumbledore that he would um, move to France and go to Beauxbatons. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's Harry frequently goes overboard. What's everyone think of Harry's new relationship with Dumbledore here? It's very adversarial. 
Oh, I love it. <laughs> if you could tell like, which ones of us like Dumbledore and which one of us don't, which ones of us don't. Well, hold Sorry. on. Jen, do you have That's any firm thoughts on the issue? Not on this issue. You don't have firm thoughts on, you know, a Dumbledore is a bad guy issue? <laughs> Jen's like, no. I like Dumbledore and I still like it because I think it's interesting to read. Yeah, I'm going to withhold judgment until we have more of it. Okay. Until we see more interaction. I'm going to say I have no opinion yet. I did love the Yeah, mo- it's really difficult to know because we don't know that much of the past. We only know the past through Harry's point of view. Yeah. So I don't, it's hard to tell what Dumbledore is in this story. Is it interesting that anyone thinks that Harry and Dumbledore become so adversarial, even though Dumbledore was the last person, quote-unquote, alive in Harry's future? And he was I think that's kind of why they're adversarial, sort of. Like, Harry maybe feels resentment that Dumbledore lived while, like, everyone else is kind of dead. I didn't get that. I thought that it was he actually... He didn't live. <laughs> well, well he... not live, but, like, is sentient. Well, I never got that. I got it was the fact that Dumbledore admitted, like, I was an ass, I was ridiculous, I was terrible, I screwed everything up. Sorry about that. Then Harry goes back in time and sees old Dumbledore. He's like, yeah, you are an ass! And then, like, yeah. he, like something... Well, I think I saw it more as, like, Harry... It was like Dumbledore had his chance, and this time Harry's not going to fall for it. He's just yeah, going to do it. Dumbledore kind of like that aspect of it. Yeah. He's not going to be manipulated by Dumbledore. Instead, he's just going to manipulate not everybody, not manipulate everybody else. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, yeah. somebody has to manipulate. And I feel like Harry, at the end of Harry's taking Dumbledore's life, role, kind of. Somebody had to do it. I think it's different I, that I, Harry's manipulating everyone versus what Dumbledore did. Because Dumbledore did it when he, one, didn't know the outcome, and two, was trying to gain personal power. And Harry... Honestly, I think is is thinking of, of the good for all in his mind. Well, I'm going to dispute that. Ha- I disagree Harry's not... that Dumbledore was trying to gain personal power. He, he thought he and was right and everyone else was wrong. Right. You know. No, he's not. I think he, he knows that. He is. I think he does. He thought, oh yeah, and Snape is a good father. He thinks. He is. <laughs> he, he, no, Dumbledore thought that he knew better than everybody else. He thought he was doing. What he was and that doing. way, they're exactly the same in this fit. God Harry's complex. He's doing yeah. those better Versus than everybody else. Harry's trying to make things right and people not dead. Right. And look at Harry. If Harry were killed by the Dursleys, it would all have been for nothing. But he wasn't. Exactly. And he, yeah, he, good thing he wasn't. Like that'd be a very. This would be like the him. worst fic <laughs> ever if it was. Like about Harry not being. And then death. he died. It sounds like something <laughs> my brother would write. Every time I'm like. It's a funny story. Every time I'm, like, writing and my brother's around, he, like, will take my computer and, like, no matter what I'm writing, he'll, like, hit enter, enter, and then he'll be, like, and then the cliff collapsed on, collapsed on top of them and then they all died. <laughs> James <laughs> does that, except he does yeah. it in a dirty way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He thinks I that everything that. should be smut. I remember that from our Smut Smackdown <laughs> competition. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Yes. <laughs> oh, I wish I could say it. Oh, I know. Anyway. Sorry. This is a non-explicit episode. Outright. Arthur and Molly got naked. And I made some babies. <laughs> <laughs> if it was explicit, you know, we would say how they did it. You know how they that. say, I love you like a brother. I love you like a sister. <laughs> Molly and Arthur can be like, I love you like a cousin. 
<laughs> Ew, come on. <laughs> they're marching by the beat. They're like walking out in like the garden. Like, hey, hall. do you remember the time when Grandpa did that funny thing? <laughs> and they laugh and they laugh and they laugh. Ew, oh gosh. <laughs> Stop! You guys are ruining the whole series. All right, back away from me. <laughs> I wonder if the Weasley kids get it, like they grow up and they're like, "Wait a minute, no, no. <laughs> Dad, did y'all know each other before you got married? Why do we <laughs> only have one set of grandparents?" <laughs> oh, that's not right. Still, <laughs> <laughs> we're very close to it. Okay, we need to get away from the ancestors Weasleys. I love them all very, very much. All right. Hey, what does everyone think? Another great moment I love. What does everyone think of the... Stop laughing and incest was Molly and Arthur. Oh, God, my stomach hurts. Okay, go. Okay, good. That's when I usually attack. What does everyone think of Sirius... Oh, God. Never mind. No, go ahead. No, no. I don't care anymore. You had to know if you're going to bring incest to the podcast. <laughs> Dear cousin, I love you. <laughs> I'm podcasting with a bunch of second graders who heard the word sex. This is really amusing at all I have to say. All right, Cody, you and I, you and I are the most mature people in the room. So let, let's talk about the character of Sirius. And one thing I really loved about that scene is, you know, he's like, all right, just just ignore the rest of them, Cody. All right, just pretend they're not here. Okay? They're, they're not even here. All right. Now, the thing which I thought was great about the character of Sirius is that, you know, he's got that, well, two things. Number one, like, it's it's so interesting that, you know, Sirius in this story died the year before Ginny did. So it's not like, you know, Sirius died and it was this awful, awful thing for Harry and then, you know, no one else died until the very end. Like, they all started dying one, two, three years after the death of Sirius. But for whatever reason, it's like seeing Sirius is on this whole new level to seeing Ron alive again and Molly alive again and Arthur alive again. Is he the first one? Yeah. yeah, well, he's one of the first ones who died, but it just seems like the like Sirius is treated differently by Harry. Like, when he sees him alive again, it's like a different reaction. And, oh, yeah, look, it's it, it's Hermione. She's back. Like, it, it doesn't, it seems like it has more weight, which is interesting, because I think that's how a reader would respond, but I don't think it's how Harry would respond. It's just, I just thought that was interesting. But the second thing I thought was great was you can tell instantly how much Sirius cares for Harry, even though he's just quote-unquote met him. And I like the interactions between Sirius and Arthur, the back and forth they have, where there's like this unspoken agreement between the two of them that Arthur will take care of Sirius's godson. I thought that was just a really great moment. Well, I mean, well, the same thing kind of happened in canon. I mean, he hadn't met him until fifth year, and he he has or he had kind of a relationship in that he does see him as James. I love the moment in the movie, because it was so symbolic of him seeing... Harry is kind of like a miniature James. Yeah, nice so Harry. it's almost like he had a relationship, just not with the Harry that exists, but he sees Harry and feels like he already had a relationship with him because he sees James. Yeah. Oh, I my d- God, the parallels, the parallels. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, we're going to allow Chi to speak again and see what she says. Chi? Um, <laughs> it's interesting because, <laughs> stop laughing, Meg, they, uh, you know, Harry has a relationship with Ron and Hermione, but it's based on the Ron and Hermione that he knew Years ago, literally, or years ahead of whatever. And Sirius sees Harry and and thinks of James. So that's very interesting. Anyway. They're both looking. Yeah, they're both looking. And I love the point where. I was thinking parallels. And I love the point where Harry says, um, where Sirius is like, you know, you look so much like your father. 
But he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I have my mother's eyes. Like, I like it's the four thousand and twelfth time someone said that to me. I would have loved if that was the moment where they all look at Harry and say, "Who's ever told you that before?" Because <laughs> yeah. technically, in this timeline, that hasn't happened yet. Well, isn't it great too that Harry's walking around going, "I hope no one asks me how I know this crap," <laughs> because Dumbledore might get there eventually. Because he has no way of knowing the fact that he's Sirius Black's godson, but he just says it, and he hopes everyone figures out someone else told him. I mean, this is like yeah. I just love Harry's like like I hope like we as a country have like you know better contingency plans than Harry does. Like I hope they don't <laughs> ask me where I got the paint. Uh, oh, good. Have you? God, I don't even want to get into that. Who's our president? Just. Well, this is coming out during Barack Obama's <laughs> You really don't want to get me started on politics. I'm sorry. No, no, you. Yeah, we don't. No, not with Cody here. We've no, tried. We've, no. we've tried doing yeah. that with Cody. No. Yeah, it does not. Yeah, I was. I was with some um, Jen. Well, not not Julia and Etai last night, and we couldn't get Dan because he got hurt. And I was. Um, Julia knew better. Uh, Etai asked me about the presidential election. We talked for 30 minutes. So you don't want to do that. Was this on a podcast? <laughs> This was on us trying to record a podcast, but Dan had been in an accident oh, of some God. sort and had a concussion, so yeah. we wouldn't be able to record. Right? Yeah, he, I think he's, re- yeah, he he's okay. Him. I guess he got he hit his head somehow. So yeah, he was playing he was hockey playing on the street hockey. and he hit his head. Oh no! So, but he is fine now, and I am glad to see that the podcast is off to just the same type of start the Parfait Weekly got started to. The injuries are already coming in. So, yeah, I'm getting scared. Yeah, so this. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I feel like I'm next, which I feel like I'm. You know. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that at all. <laughs> I wouldn't think that at all, Cody. I'm sure you'll. Be, I'm sure you'll be fine. I mean, look at Jen; she's perfectly fine. I know. Yeah, she's total silence. I have everything amazingly enough. Oh my god! Everyone just talked at once, and my left eye fell out. What? <laughs> I just got this image of Ryan like as a pirate, like in pirate. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. Oh, can I ask a question? Can I ask a question? This is to Chief. Um, in in the naked Quidditch match episode, all right, yes. Jen wasn't there, right? Right. I opened the episode saying, "With now, Jen isn't here tonight." And um, for those of us who know why, it involves pirates. Is that fair? And everyone chuckles and says, "Yes, Ryan, that's fair." What was I talking yeah. about? Um, wasn't there something where Jen's house had flooded? No. Jen, is that right? <laughs> no, why would I, I say know. it involves pirates? That Jen, where were you the night we did Naked Quidditch match? I was not there. Thank you. Do we know where you were? Oh, you had no. You um, you were sick that night, right? Was I in the York? No, you were in the hospital, or you were in the hospital. You were at the doctor, right? I don't think so. Or no. is that when we moved? When I moved? Why would I that? Why would that involve a pirate, though? Because we all laughed at the joke, and by the, the it's been so long since we recorded the damn thing, I can't remember what the joke was anymore. I, we're all like, was it a flood? Were you in the emergency room? You know what? That was one of the jokes of Perfect Weekly. We're going to listen to that and we're going to have no Oh, idea no, what... the sand in my eye. Yeah. The you sand eye in patch. your eye. You, it was you, awful. You had the Perfect. eye patch. Thank you. Isn't this terrible th- that we've got into the point of Perfect Weekly where we forget the fact that Jim was walking around with an eye patch? <laughs> <laughs> Was it a flood, Jen? I, I showed Ryan a picture. Jen, was that? <laughs> you should see this picture. It's Jen with an <laughs> iPad frowning. It's the best. <laughs> That's horrible. I know. Oh, that was the most terrible thing I've ever seen. Your life. It was so funny. I felt so bad. Literally, um, P.S. You, uh, oh God, P.S. Cody, whatever the hell your name is. I called what, Jen. You've done that twice. I can't help it. I know. You, There's. You, oh, how many times? Oh, oh my yes. God. 
I think I'm going to have to call Danielle after this. Oh, God. Oh, God. The time I called it, Jen, was inopportune. Um, the, um, <laughs> it was Jen had Jen got dirt in her eye. And her eye got infected, so she's wearing a giant eye patch. And they held the eye patch in place with latex tape, which tape. caused an allergic reaction, which caused her other eye to swell <laughs> shut. So she's walking around like a zombie for like. I wasn't walking around. <laughs> I was like in my bed. It was horrible. And I'm like, Jen, I don't feel like you're pulling your weight in the podcast. And she's like <laughs> feeling for her computer to type <laughs> I am searching for this scene with Sirius. Because I'm totally having a mic moment and going, when did they go to ask him? Are you serious? <laughs> like, is it the last chapter? They went to okay. ask, they went to, in 16. A- you no, know, they went to Azkaban and, and Harry met with Sirius and Arthur was there and there were Aurors present in the background and Harry, it ends with Harry making Sirius laugh because he talks about being on the Quidditch team, but how he, 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 and he mentions his, his green and silver scarf and Sirius is like, <gasps> forget the fact that I was wrongly accused. You're a slither. And he's like, ha ha. And, and Sirius actually chuckles for the first time in 13 years. I see. I finally got Jet. It's because he's been sad because he realized that he was a cousin of someone. Oh God. <sighs> You know, I think this episode is completely lost. Does anyone have any other moments about these chapters, which we'll cover in more detail next week when we stop giggling about the fact that cousins had kids? So what are we calling this? Arbor, Harbors, and Cousins. Well, it was funny until you said cousins. What? <laughs> cousins are funny. <laughs> well, cousins are funny to some. I feel like I've... Never mind. <laughs> Cody, I, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. I don't think we can go anywhere from this. <laughs> There's only so many directions we can go in from this, and I feel like up is the only direction possible. <laughs> I do. Does anyone have, have anything else they want to add about these chapters? Final thoughts? Giggling? Whatever you have. Final thoughts. Um, I'm sorry. I was so highly critical of everything, but I'm going to keep reading, and hopefully I won't be so, like, kind of annoyed with it later so well that's fine i think i was absolutely a fanboy this week, See, I, it was just horrible like i i was reading it and i feel like i'm like reading another fic i especially thought i was reading the sacrifices arc something which i really need to pick up reading but it is literally like fourteen thousand pages like and i mean pages long so i haven't read it in a while but it's very 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 long seven story au that has a similar harry but it's like a normal harry but it's not, but whatever. And I thought I was reading it the entire time. It was the weirdest experience ever. Because I was like reading this story, and then I thought I was reading a different story, and I don't know. It's like exactly so. what happened to Jen this week. What? You forgot what story this was? Well, no, not this week. Like, I had been talking about... I, I ter- I'm terrible with names. And you yell at me for calling you Chi? <laughs> and calling me P.S.? Sorry about that. Meg, what do you think of these chapters? Um, I like them better than last week. <laughs> that's, honestly that's how I really feel and I've said this to Ryan and I've said this to a few people I feel like this fic gets better as it goes along because I feel like I like the Harry more yeah <laughs> the Harry the Harry <laughs> oh which Harry he's now with the <laughs> I like Harry and this fic more as he goes along because I feel like he learns a lot of different things yeah. and I feel like the author takes on a lot of different paths and 
it's fascinating to read. So yeah, I do. I like these chapters. I like that Harry feels a little out of control at points instead of as in control as he did before. I love that. I know this sounds really like morbid, but it's not meant in that sense. But I, I didn't like the scene where Harry got beat up. I didn't like it, but I liked it in the fact that he wasn't like super Harry. If that makes any sense, it doesn't make like, me sound sadistic. Yeah, he made a mistake. He made a terrible mistake, and it, and it didn't work out. And and there were consequences. There were consequences to the mistake, and it, and it changed. You know, he, and he it caused him to question everything. I think it made him more of a realistic character. I agree. I think exactly. what I like about these stories in this chapter is it is one where the author. I like that we're discussing these chapters similarly to how we discussed some of After the End chapters, where we argued with character decisions and character plot, and not necessarily the writing of it, but the actual characters being retarded. (laughs) We've just been talking about incest for an hour and a half, so I don't think we're really going to take offense to anything. I love how she's like, I'm going to mute myself. We all feel like that pretty much all the time. <laughs> I just love the fact that we, we, we talk about incest and, 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 you know, inbred people for an hour and a half. And, and now we're like, oh, maybe we should. I, I don't know. It just it just cracks me up. Well, anyway, I like the story. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to, like, offend you. It was just like I, I got read like a 25-minute speech on that. Uh-huh. So I just kind of had a reaction. Never mind. It's totally awesome. Pigeons are welcome. <laughs> what? <laughs> you Why? say pigeons? I okay, I just my English. Don't even talk to me about those damn birds. There was oh, someone Cody. in my English class today, Cody, and we were. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Jen. You sent me a text message that said "damn birds" <laughs> when you were in New York, and you never followed up to explain that until I got there. Would you like to share with our listeners what happened no. to you with a flock of birds, or would you prefer I do it? I am not going to share that story you because it, I think I need to go well. get vaccinated for bird flu. Jan, Jan, Jan was near a, um, <laughs> a flock of birds, which you know sometimes. Okay, I was outside of the Met, and there was the per- the pigeon lady from Mary Poppins there. Okay, continue. The pigeon lady from Mary Poppins. Well, no, she's yeah, dead, but it, it was her daughter was in in, in, in America <laughs> instead of in London, and she was and, and she was doing the thing with the tubbins or whatever the hell she was doing, and the birds all fly <laughs> in random directions, and a bird made a kamikaze run at Jen and flew into her, doing like eighty miles an hour into oh her like God. abdomen, and Jen yes. like toppled over. Oh, it was screaming, "I have bird flu! I have bird flu!" <laughs> I called Ryan. I was like, do I have to get vaccinated? <laughs> that's like, uh, oh, no. No, that's horrible. And, oh. I'm, and I'm at my desk going, like, birds attacked you? With I don't know what to do with it. So. <laughs> oh, oh my damn it. I would never go back. I would be so afraid of those birds. Ever since that movie, <laughs> The Birds, I've been, like, petrified of those, like, flying rats. Ugh. What? Like the monkeys <laughs> in The Wizard of Oz? No, no. pigeons. <laughs> Like pigeons, pigeons are flying, flying rats. Because there is dirt, a rat, but they fluff. Is there bird fluids? Yeah, I know. Yeah, they spread disease. They're gross. Ugh. Yeah. <sighs> oh, okay. oh, yeah. On the, on the line of pigeons, it was great. There was someone in English class today, or we were reading a, pl- a play called Death and the King's Horseman. That's how it gets started. And 
Um, he, he knew what pidgin English meant, but he, um, he's like, oh, you're an, and playing a native, you're supposed to speak in pidgin English. And so he started cooing in between every word. It was the funniest thing ever. Like, he knew what the <laughs> word meant, but he was just trying to be, like, funny about it. It was hilarious. <laughs> this is how we get on these tangents, and we don't remember why. Some For some reason, we're talking about bird flu, and then it's like... <laughs> you started it! You started it! Oh, oh, well, someone mentioned pigeon. Right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Jen, did you finish your thought from before? No, because I can't be grammatically correct. <laughs> Jen, just do it. Just do it. Talk about the retarded people. Come on, Jen. Sorry, Cody, but, you know, whatever. All I was saying was I like the story. No, it's not what you were saying. You're not that boring. All right, you done? Oh, I'm on mute. Sorry. I'm like, I'm like screaming. Like, what is wrong with everyone? I'm fine. And, like, y'all just keep doing it. And I'm like, what yeah. the hell? It's really a surprise that has to happen for us to get it. I mean, it's I happened 40 times. I'm fine. <laughs> All right. All right, Jen, Cody, makeup. Cody, I'm really, I'm really sorry. Ready. I didn't, like, I didn't. <laughs> hold I didn't on, hold like on. I was, like, I wasn't trying to, like, <laughs> criticize you. It was just, like, that word, and, like, it got reflexed right. because I got lectured about it for half hours. Oh, my ears. All right, Jen, make up, and then Cody, make up. I'm not offended. I'm not. I'm, I'm laughing. <laughs> you are oh all God. so weird. so funny. You guys watched at each other. <laughs> I was you're horrible. I feel like I like was like trying to correct and criticize. I really wasn't. It was just oh, oh, Cody, we're around Chi every week. We're fine with this. This is your fault. This is my fault. I'm yelling at you. This is your fault. Oh, go the way. Uh, whatever. Okay, Jen, you're you're done. Chi, what do you think? Of these chapters, are we talking about? Oh, who cares, Chi? What do you think about anything? Oh. Burns is bad. What are your thoughts on life? <laughs> I think the um the guy that just called me to ask which my my apartment number was because he was delivering my Chinese food was really hard to understand. And I also <laughs> <He's said>, <laughs> I thought book. you were being Boston, not Chinese. <laughs> no, oh my god, it was so funny. He was like trying to. He called me, and I so I went on mute, and um. <sighs> I answered the phone, and, like, the longest, like, he, I gotta understand number, so it's like, oh, maybe something was wrong with my credit card number, so I tried to give him my credit card number again, he's like, no, 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 I was like, what? I, I love how Jen can't say retard, but she can go after Chinese people. I know, I was like, wow, now we're at a, I don't even I love it, what apartment number are you? 4828 Finally, finally, he's like, no, your address. And I was like, oh, <laughs> number one. I'd be like, no, I'm wearing pants. I'm wearing a dress. Oh, God, that was my joke. All right. Chi, do you have any thoughts on these chapters? Anything at all? Um. Well, I just, I remembered why I don't remember anything about the serious scene. You didn't read it? There's No, there's a massive typo in the middle of it, and that always makes my, like, I just skim the rest <laughs> of it. What is it? As in serious? Oh, just ignore Jen. Pretend she's not there. Answer the question. No, it's. Uh, what's the question? What's the typo? There's like, there's like a word that doesn't make sense because it's got number symbols in it. <laughs> the pound sign in the middle of a word. I know it's ridiculous, and I was like, "Up, oh, guess I'm not reading that scene." And I kept going, "I'm terrible about it." Anyway, um, I think that the rest of the scenes. I was having of- trouble because, like, I didn't realize the chapters were like ten thousand words long. 
So I was trying to read this in between, like, doing my calc homework and, like, being in school and doing journal. And, like, I'm like, oh, I'll read, I'll read, like, the five chapters when I get home tonight. I only have five chapters left. So I get home, and these chapters, like, go on and on and on. And, I'm, and, then, and then he's like, oh, I'm going to wait till I have another 10,000-word update until I update. And I'm just like, curse you. You read a year like I none thought, other. Like, yeah. Okay, those chapters were not <laughs> this long. Like, oh, yes, yes, they were. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Them in this, not hey. at the beginning. Anyway, um, <laughs> point being that the writing gets better. The characters get more believable. Um, everything gets better. I'm really looking forward to next week. I've actually had a, I've actually read ahead this week to see what happens next week. I'm really excited. About I next don't week's think they keep getting better. I think the plot is just getting more interesting and the characters are getting more developed. But I don't think it's like chapter 11, he actually starts writing. Or, you know, I don't feel it's like that at all. Well, I feel like, like the I plot... Like, I through 10, like, well, built up progressive, but... Well, no, I mean, I think all stories do that. Like, I was even talking to Melinda the other day, and she realized that in the early chapters of Power of Emotion, she spelled McGonagall wrong for, like, six chapters. I mean, <laughs> people have different, you know, Melinda's going to be like, you little. But, you know, there's there's different levels of, com- I mean, I think some of the plot decisions some of some of the earlier chapters are, are somewhat laughable, like McGonagall offering to find a replacement for Snape and having this discussion with an 11-year-old. Is that was I, amusing. Yeah, but it's like that. Like, uh, yeah, I'm at 11. I want, to, I want the teacher replaced and her, like, considering it. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, but I, I, I certainly do think that the story, um, that the plot is Harry Potter. Oh, Actually, true. after last week, I thought a little bit about that, because when I first read it, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. If some 11-year-old came up to you and said you need to replace a teacher, I'd be like, huh, anyway, go back to class now, little guy. But <laughs> he is Harry Potter. And she's Minerva McGonagall. She eats kids. I know, but he's Harry Potter. He's got some oh, pull. Crap. He's got some weight to throw Sorry. around. We're not getting into cannibalism, Jen, by the way. The entire, like, Northwest United States has, like, pink and white all over everything. What? Sorry, I was checking weather.com, and it was, like, pink and white over the entirety of Northwest. Oh, my God, you so belong on the podcast. She's one of us. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. I just thought of something. I just thought of something. She's correcting Jen's speech. (laughs) She's surfing Uh-oh. the web during the podcast. Oh, God. Oh, my okay, God. In all fairness, we're supposed to get, like, a major winter storm. I wanted to check. Gee, if Wait, you come for the can't... podcast next week and someone's in your parking space, I would worry. Did I, did I tell you, though? I told, I told Ryan before the podcast. He said, remember, we were having a discussion. He said, remember, we can't be explicit tonight because we have Cody on the podcast. And I was like, oh, I'm very excited because Cody reminds me a lot of myself when I was 15. Cody, what are your thoughts on commas? Okay. Um, <laughs> wait, Cody, actually, the rest of you can. Okay. Just... I was in a creative writing class and we had, you could like choose how you wanted someone to like edit your paper. And I was always like, can I just like take this? And I would like literally like write on it and be like red everywhere. It really annoys me when people don't put, like, commas where they're supposed to be. Oh. Like, if they have a really long sentence and there's, like, no commas, I just kind of start, like, I get really annoyed. Like, I don't put, I put a lot of, like, I, I, all mine are usually grammatically correct, but I just get really annoyed when people don't have their, like, sentence grammar correct. And I work for the newspaper, so when there were, like, seniors who can't write, 
and I got an article from one of them today, and I'm like, you're a senior, how are you graduating? This is like, you can't even write correct sentences. I get a little annoyed sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry, am I, am I some freaking people out? But whatever. Oh, I'm actually like, on the forum trying to figure out how to change your username to Mini-Me. Um, <laughs> Can we call her Chi-2? Oh, God. Yes, you are officially Chi-2. <laughs> He'll probably remember that. Name. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even hear Chi right now, but that's probably the exact thing. It's same Chi, thing comma, Chi. You, you know, I kind of got stuck on commas like because my mother always said, well, you know, you put a comma where you breathe. And I was asthmatic, <laughs> and so, like, I could only say, like, oh. <laughs> That's the saddest thing I ever heard. <laughs> Have y'all seen Malcolm in the Middle? Okay, you know the, the little black kid in the wheelchair? <laughs> that was me. I really do. And we wow. just lost someone. We just yeah. lost. Um, we just Cody. lost Cody. <sighs> Cody. Okay. Well, we need to end this. We, we gotta end, we gotta end the podcast. But there's one thing which <laughs> I had planned to read right now because this is very solemn moment from the story. But now I'm laughing too hard to really. Um, well, really give a damn. I guess is is what I'm saying. Um, so we're gonna just say good night. You know, I'm a, okay. I've gotten control of my of my bodily functions again. So you know, unlike Harry in Chapter Eleven, so I'm going to read it, and then um, she just because Cody had to step out. If you could just say good night twice tonight for both of your okay, I can do that. Be helpful. I can right. do that. Both of your personalities. All right. Um, <laughs> I can't even do this now. Um, okay, we need to. We okay. Think of death, everybody. Think of death. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> Seriously, Brian. <laughs> I just got the news that my best friend's grandma died, so let's not go there. Are you, okay? okay, good. See, now I feel bad. Now I'm ready to read this. All right, here we go. Okay, good. All right. So. Harry shuddered but managed not to cry. He didn't know what to do with his arms until he wrapped them around her waist. She shifted, and, st- and he started to pull back, and she tightened her arms around his neck. Her breath tickled his skin. For a moment, he allowed himself to forget. He didn't know how long they sat there before they heard Ron calling out the dinner was ready. Ginny sat up, and Harry realized that he'd almost dozed off. She stood up, and he followed, wincing at the pins and needles sensation flooding his legs. Thanks, Ginny, he murmured as they walked back uh, to the burrow. She smiled impishly at him. What are friends for, she asked. He remembered another 11-year-old girl putting her her elbow in the butter dish. Things are changing, he thought with a sense of wonder. Another strange feeling began to flutter at the base of his stomach. It took him a moment to identify it. For the first time in years, Harry Potter felt the stirrings of hope. Aww, what's my favorite passage? Yeah, I mean, we can joke about, well, basically, you know, Uncle Larry and Uncle Grandma and all that stuff, but... Uncle Grandma, where the hell did that come from? But, you know, we can ju- but that to me is the heart of the story, so everything else be damned. And that's my final thought on it. And because I read the damn show, that's it with us tonight. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. And good night from Cody, who technology hates. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, here we go. And welcome back to Parfait Week. Oh, hang on. Let's make sure we're recording this because we had four pro... Okay, look at Wait, that. Wait, does my mic sound okay? Meg, you sound wonderful. Yeah, can you hear Can you hear me now? 
Yeah, I, I can't, hear you now. I can't believe Good. I just said that, but all right. <laughs> Kaz has 20 <laughs> points if you can successfully edit this episode. Carry on. <laughs> you know, uh, Kaz, edit around this so I don't sound like a moron. <laughs> P.S. Knowing every... Uh, you're P.S. I'm sorry. I don't even know who the hell you are. You're... <laughs> Um, you know, okay, so if, 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 edit, your, your coach, I don't know who Jen is half the time. I'm in, yeah, you know, the time I called Danielle Jen, sorry, that was an But, um, oh, not, that was a dark day. Um, I'm not telling you where we were. All right, I'm not telling you where we were. Um, all right, so. Get it out of your system. Get it out of your system. Get it out of your system. All right. Oh, God. All right. Call Meg back. Oh, we lost Meg? Yeah. I wrote it. I, well, I didn't read it. All right, let me say How long did we lose you for? Welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is me. Long time. <laughs> All right. Well, like let's see. No, just a few just minutes. Don't like... worry. Septimus? That is a horrible name. <laughs> that oh my god. Septim. Septimus? Ryan and Cody not, back. Oh, Cody's not here? No. I really like that name, Fabian. Down on that name of your kids, Meg. <laughs> Fabian? Yeah. I didn't say I liked it that much. Come on now. Found the button to put Cody back in the room. Oh, gag, Rose, Hugo, and blah. Well, I just destroyed the joke. Keza, can you take that out? Thanks. We love you dearly. Ron and Hermione. He has an interesting with Ron and Hermione. He has a relationship. Stopping, Keza. Make it sound like I haven't been drinking Kool-Aid. Just be glad the fourth track was broke that day Because you grabbed a guitar and I heard you say That the top of the pops better get ready For the new hit single from the Weasler Goes from I love you Scene one, Apple, take one I say, Am I the only one every time I see Tina's name, I think of Lennon? Yes, what? Yeah. I do, I, I see Christian, Christine St. Peter, and I think St. Petersburg, and then I think Leningrad, and then I think Lenin. Well, I see the fic, and I think of doing the actual podcast. Yay! <laughs> yeah, sorry. Before Richard cries. That's right. Give me the title so I open the right one. Sorry. Ten Surefire Ways to Cure the Common Cold. Mmm. I like that one. That was hilarious. Big up to the author. Who wrote that, by the way? Why, our own Gen 2. Yay. Yay. I'm clapping right now. I'm trying not to do it loudly. Yeah. She says she's blushing, but she's really got a huge, smug smile on right now. (laughs) That's what I thought. No, really, I am. I'm blushing. (laughs) The peons are coming. Hide your children. I will make you understand. I'm Richard. I'm Jen too. I'm Keza. I'm Tina. Mike. And we are the peons. Prestiging revolution. I'll <laughs> take over of a book one, so. Oh, yes. Can We're somebody, pathetic. What? Did somebody put in the title, please? Which Come weekly? On. Ten surefire ways to oh, cure the common cold. Thank you, Keza. You're welcome. As she so brilliantly and eloquently stated, we are covering what she just said, because I forgot it already. 
Um, I didn't Which forget the potential five-way come Thank you. I see. I remember this fic, the title as Witch Weekly, and I remember it as being hilarious. And it is, of course, by going back to square one, who is also with us today, our dear Jen Two. Two. She bows. She curtsies. And we bow to you. Thank you. I do the queen's wave, but in a more manly. But anyway. A manly queen's wave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, can I ask a general question? Since two, two a question. Since we have her here. Sure. Sh- certainly. Well, one thing I didn't get when I read it, and Richard said I should have, so I was hoping you guys could explain it to me. Was the ending? Because <laughs> I read the ending. <laughs> And in all honesty, I didn't think it ended there. Like, I started refreshing it so the rest would appear. <laughs> so, and Richard told me, like, no, it's supposed to end there. There's a whole and the joke tradition continues. <laughs> I was like, where's part two? You're kidding. It oh, made sense to me. Mike, yeah. are you kidding? It's the punchline. Yeah. <laughs> it's the punchline. I mean, can you explain? I know, Richard told me it's, a, it's the punchline. Do you explain it to me? Oh, okay. Like Ryan said, um, when we did Naked Quidditch, I feel like I'm in the room when Mike is going through puberty. <laughs> and I'm now explaining the facts of life to Mike. Do I need to explain this as the author, or do you want to do this, Tina? Oh, it's just too fun. I want to do this. Um, okay. Do you remember when Ginny was reading the article about the 10 surefire ways to cure the common cold, Mike? Right, yeah, at the beginning. Okay. She was reading like there was all these different things. Do you right, re- right? Do you remember what number ten was? Uh, we go back and see. Oh my god! Oh, that one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the punchline? He said, "Skip straight to number okay. ten. Okay. Wait a minute, Mike. Okay. <laughs> she laughed out loud when she saw the article. It listed the obvious homeopathic remedies, vitamins, foods, and aromatherapies, but tucked right into number 10 was a cure she'd never seen before. Sex. I, got that, I get the joke that it's sex. I thought that was funny. I laughed. <laughs> I don't get what does that to do at the end, though. Because Ron, say, because Ron is saying, skip right past 1 through 9. Just go Tell for number 10. Number 10. The rest won't be necessary. Then how do you fix the problem? Did them I thought the whole point was Ron had a cold. And then Harry's telling him how to fix it. Because yeah. they go to number 10. He's Just telling... skip one through nine and go right to number 10 because... But aren't you supposed to wait? For, is that like the I'm better sex? Kind of? No! Uh, it's the doctor! <laughs> okay, well, I, I, I didn't get that, I guess. <laughs> oh. Why am I always so stupid on these? Mike, let me ask you. <laughs> you get all the tiny little nuances there is in A Song of Ice and Fire, but this little thing right here, this big, I don't see, you're a unique individual. I'm glad to have you here. I'm almost scared. My favorite part, let me just go ahead and <laughs> go forward. It's almost the same part that Mike was talking about. I don't know if he's referring to what Ron said when he burst in, but when Ron burst in, he says, I don't know where you are, but I hope you're naked and ready, basically. <laughs> and Hermione just looks at Jenny and she says, oh. <laughs> That was priceless. I I think the neighbors heard me laughing. Uh, you also love when uh, 
Ginny's in the store, in the store, and uh, she's talking like, "Well, yeah. can't ever tell my mom that I go in here." <laughs> and then I hear what the salesperson says exactly, but she's like, uh, "There's other that? red-haired women that come in here too." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How embarrassing is that to find There's out several interesting in the same store as your mother? Now, can you can you picture Molly and Arthur in one of these really strange situations? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have seven oh, kids. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I picture, like... <laughs> Even before Half-Blood Prince, Ginny is just one of my favorite characters, and I love it when she's portrayed as a strong, confident woman who is Harry's equal. And I, I got that from this. I really love that. And, and every wife out there can sympathize with her when Harry comes home. I'm, I'm sick. <laughs> I am sicker than you. I am sicker than you. You will be in your life. Because I'm going to tell you right where this story came from. I didn't ask that. Where did it come from? Um, my husband was really, really sick. E-Baby had been a terror... She wasn't sick, but she was just being a terror. She was very little at the time. Well, not very little, but she was. And I came to bed one night, and he was just, ugh, he was phlegm, and ugh, it was just terrible. And I felt bad for him, but there he was, <laughs> in bed. <laughs> and I thought, this is just horrible. And then I'm like, ugh. And so I just, the whole time, I thought, you know, there's a story in this. You know, and I, and I just, you know, baby him, and, and he just doesn't get any better. And I just, you know, I thought, well, I mothered my child today, and now I'm mothering my husband. And, you know, you prop him up on pillows and give him a Kleenex and la di da di da di da You know, and that's where it came from. Pretty much everything in this story is my marriage. <laughs> Okay. So do we have anything else uh, about this lovely fic, lady? I, why I have some objections? I'd like to ask Jen if that's okay. Sure. No, it's not. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Uh, I was just curious. I guess you, as this professional super writer, what do you find being, I guess, the hardest part when you write a fic like this to do? <laughs> Come up with another one. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's like true, the, because people are always going, we want more, we want more, and you have to think it up. When did you write this? I mean, uh, before Book 7 or after Book 7? After. After? I didn't write my very first story until after Book 7. Oh, really? Wow. You've become very good very fast. I would agree with Mike on that one. Say thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been writing for a while. Maybe not fanfic, but I've been writing for a while. Well, you know what I mean? Usually, like, you see people's first fanfics, and they're all kind of... Well, you know I what I mean. technically, this, this was my second fanfic. My first one was Continuum. And, well, this was one Sunday afternoon. I was writing Continuum, and I'm like, I can't do this. I need something else. And so I just shut it down and wrote this one instead. And then I went back and, you know, pounded out the next chapter of Continuum, which was all angsty and horrible. <laughs> Actually, I think the next chapter that I wrote after this was probably the best one that I wrote of that one. So, you know, that's why I love stories like this, because, you know, you could be reading something that's, you know, a novel length that you know, you're really getting into, but sometimes you just need to take a little break. But, you know, this is like just comfort food. You get away for a little while. It was almost like that to write it, too. It, it seems like it. Do we have anything else on, on this one, anybody? I loved it, Jen. 
I Thank you, too. Me, too, and I would look forward to seeing more in the series when you get around to it. Yes. Even if I didn't get oh, the end. Oh, sure. Don't cobbler, <laughs> just get to writing. That's what I want. Hopefully it is. So, wait, Chris, so did Ginny not do one through nine either, or is Harry just... <laughs> I think read? she did. She That's what I thought, but then he's saying, just tell her to skip the ten. She, because she made, she made Harry's a guy and he only cares about number ten. <laughs> number ten if he didn't have one through nine first. She made him the you student. Made oh, never mind. I'm clearly the only one not getting. <laughs> have you had the talk yet, Mike? <laughs> Do you know what goes on in number 10? Yeah, I, I get what goes on. I just don't get why you're skipping 1 through 9, because then how can you p- perform in 10 if you're still sick because you don't have 1 through 9? Are you sure you're married? You're a guy. It's irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> Not to get too graphic, but guys can be almost on their deathbed and still... I think we had this conversation on um, a certain thread. Yeah. And that's what I was told. Yeah. True. <laughs> Have you ever seen yes. that episode of Friends? Yes. Where, um, who, who is Monica, Monica and Chandler, Chandler, and one of them is Chandler sick? Mm-hmm. And he's going, no, and he's trying to seduce Monica, and she's like, but you're sick. Don't you want to rest? Don't you want to, you know, get better? And then he gives her the cold, and she comes out, and she tries to seduce him, and he's like, Ooh, go away! You've got germs. <laughs> <laughs> I get, I get that. I love that episode as well. I love that episode of Friends. Mike, Mike, look at it this way: one through nine don't actually do anything. It's actually ten, the only thing that works. Why not just try it? Hey, there's ten ways. We're going to do the tenth one anyway. Have you, you ever, have you ever heard the concept of eating dessert first? Yes. <laughs> it's like that. Okay. Eat dessert first. Cut to the chase. And if dessert <laughs> makes you full, then you're all the better for it. Then you don't have to eat the rest of the meal. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe you don't get this. <laughs> I can't believe how many hundreds of reviews I've gotten off of the story off of various sites, and not one person has ever said, I don't get it. Why don't they do I, You know what I want to do? I want to get all these stories with punchlines and get Mike to read them and then see if he gets it. Yes, no, that would be Poor Mike. I do. I, feel I always miss. I get. I get the really subtle stuff, just not the the jackhammer stuff. Yeah. I, I get. I, get, I think I get it. Well, <laughs> stupid. Um, I was refreshing it, trying to see more. Um, okay. This so. has been Eon Cass. I just said that American because you people have influenced my voice. Peon cast. What do you mean, you people? What is that? You people. people. You American people. Butter. Butter. <laughs> butter. You should butter. come down south and hear people say butter. Butter. <laughs> butter. <laughs> I was watching butter. Dukes of Hazard the other night. <laughs> How's your mother doing? Mother. <laughs> mother. <laughs> it's a nice day in New York City. I like the New York swears. Like, I know we can't really say them, but some of them are just really funny. The what? The New York what? The swear Salon. words. Swear words. What swears? What's a swear? Don't make fun of my accent. Come on. I'm not. That's how it sounds to me. It's like, what is that? 
<laughs> some it. kind of I'm... bagel. <laughs> no. Do you have right. bagels in Australia? Yes. Well, they don't have them in Texas, so what the? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure they have bagels in Texas. They do too. We're going to do another one. This thing is entirely depressing right now, let me just say. And now we've wrapped up Witch Weekly's 10 surefire ways to hear the common cold by going back to square one, our own Gen 2. And we will be back next week with something. We're not not sure sure what. Yes. So until next time, this is Richard. I'm Gen 2. I'm Kiza. I'm Tina. Mike. And we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye, y'all. Come back next week. Scene one, Apple, take one. If you've heard anything in this episode that you would like to comment on or would like to contribute to the show, you can email any of our staff at their names at potherfickweekly.com or you can email staff at potherfickweekly.com. If you would like to send in a voicemail message, you can either call 781-352-0643 and you can leave a voicemail up to two minutes in length or you can email us an audio file to our email address, and we can play that on the show. You can also download a program called The Gizmo Project, and you can uh, contact us that way through your computer. For more information, visit potherfickweekly.com.